three beers and a movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and today I'm with Colin McKay. And we're back at the Raven, Colin. Back in the Raven, we got out to play again. We did, we finally have money, we finally have a reason to come out. Um, so it's good, we get to actually have a drink and we actually get to chat in the sort of place we're used to. Yeah, and there, there, to has, been, there has been comments about the ambience, it's not the same over Skype, so people have been actually noticing that it's a, a warmer. Yeah, I think so. We can actually see someone looking in the eye when you're talking to him. It yeah, does make a big it, difference. It's a it does. Difference. It's nice about drinking beer. And speaking of drinking beer, sir, what are you drinking? I am drinking something called Coast to Coast from Caledonia, which um, I think I've had before. I must have had before. I think it's pretty common. Um, right about our neck of the woods recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, very nice. But kind of a bit darker, but it's yeah. It's a nice colour. It's a very nice colour, isn't it? It's like a kind of toffee colour. Yeah, it's very, very... We are coming to beer wanks. We are coming to beer wanks, but that's yeah. kind of part of this whole thing. <laughs> um, but no, it's really, it's really nice. It's, it's nice, it's quite... I'm not going to say nondescript, that's, that's a poor thing to say. But it goes down very well. It's not yeah. like... It doesn't... Easy, easy drink. Easy drink, it doesn't floor you. It's it's lovely, I like it. And what are you drinking, Colin? Um, I've totally forgotten already. It's called Tower IPA. <laughs> it's called Tower IPA from Redcastle. Redcastle, Red yeah. Is it an ale? Is it, it's not a, it's an IPA. Uh, IPA is an Indian pale ale. Yes. Um, Did you ask for it in that tanker or did they give it to you in? No, they gave it to me in, in a kind of pint tanker. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just about to sample it. You sample it now, see what it's like. So it's not, again, it, it looks fizzy. But it's not? It's not, it's deceptively not fizzy. Is Redcastle Scottish? Um, I believe so, yeah. It's, 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 it's a local brewer. Yeah, but we've discussed before, Scotty beer does not do much, much fizz to it. Yeah, it doesn't, and there's no explanation. I do like it. I've both actually every time. Yeah. Um, it, it's actually alright, it's got subtle taste. I also, just before this, I sampled up in the bar with a beer made with chilies. Right. Um, and I had a wee man gave me a wee sample. Are you, um, are you going to have a pint of it, or is it a sample no, enough? No, I think a sample's enough. It, it's not, you can in your head imagine it being like, like a chili. But it's it, not, it's, it's not, infused with, yeah. You get like, about a second after swallowing, you'll get a wee kind of mild kick. Yeah. Chilly and then it goes again. We had it last, last month, we were drinking that um, forklift disco truck stuff. It's like it's like mango infused, and it literally it's like you get a wee hint of mango. Yeah. It's not like you're drinking a, a, a fruit juice. I think your brain gets surprised though, because your brain does think, oh, right, it's going to taste, and it does. It doesn't, does it, no. It's, it's subtle hints of it yeah, rather than actually yeah. probably yeah. taste like it. And because you're an idiot, what have you done before we started this, this recording today? I'm not in it, right. I, I, I really like spinning talks. Nothing to do with um, the, the film, what's it called? Um, Inception. Nothing no. to do with that at all. I really like spinning tops, so today when I was out um, killing time waiting for the podcast to happen, I happened into a shop called Mankind which sells gadgets and gimmicks and I found a spinning top that, that apparently goes forever. Um, so we've set the spinning top in motion before we started the podcast and uh, it is right now still spinning. It's still spinning, yes. It, it's still spinning, so we're going to see if this spinning top is going to last the, the full, the full podcast. Whack. Um, and it's also got lights on it as well. It's, it looks, I mean, you're an idiot, but we'll let it go. Okay. You can, you can probably hear it. That's the sound of it. That's the sound of it going. Yeah. Right. So, this <laughs> so, this week, like I said, we're in the Raven and we're going to be discussing um, not a lot of films actually because because of the inclement weather up here. I've not actually seen that much right now. I've seen a couple of couple, things. But not, yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to get to see stuff. Yeah. But what we are going to do, because I've been looking forward to it for a while and looking for a reason to do it, um, he's got a new film out this week called The Post. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be discussing the filmography of Steven Spielberg. Mr. Spielberg, which is a, a, a topic dear to your heart. I, much much is, yeah. a massive, I'm massive a, Spielberg I'm fan. I'm a huge Spielberg fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm bathed in Spielberg. He is... 
Next to George Lucas, you're probably his biggest fucking fan. Possibly, probably, <laughs> yeah, probably next to Steve Spielberg, but he's probably his biggest fan. Um, um, but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to, to going through this and discussing with you, particularly about because I think I, I can't look at a film and think you've probably not seen it. To be honest, I think you've probably seen most There's of them. There's probably a few that I haven't. To be fair, okay. Later ones, but we'll go through the list. We'll go through the list. And we'll see. I'm quite looking forward to it. Because Spielberg's quite. Close so, to so, it, you are a fan of Spielberg. Yes, sir. I think it's hard not to be a fan of Spielberg, isn't it? If there's not at least one film that, that you don't like, mm-hmm. I'd be surprised because he's, he's everyone's filmmaker. Yeah, he? he's had he's also he's had that big massive hit in like pretty much every decade since yeah. the 70s. You know, he's had the 70s, you know, something in the 70s, something in the 80s, 90s as well, even the 2000s and right now we're in the you know, 2010s and he's, he's still producing he's, stuff. He's an influence, yeah. yeah. He's an influential director. He's, you know, what you aspire to be as a filmmaker, I guess. Did you ever watch the documentary that was on Sky Atlantic, the Spielberg documentary that was out? Mm-hmm. It was basically, it's like a two-hour, two-hours, two maybe two-and-a-bit hours. Basically, you sort of sit down interviews with him and other people who work with him, producers, actors, just discussing his career. And it was nice to see people discussing them when he's still alive to understand, or understand to hear it. You know, because so often we talk about, you know, people talk about these people once they've passed, like what they've what meant to the world, what they've meant to like, people's filmmaking careers. Um, but to hear it been talked about when the guy was still alive and he could, he could hear it, it was, it was really quite touching. You know, you get like, guys like J.J. Abrams and Danny Villeneuve and all that kind of stuff, guys who are like sort of influential now and sort of the, the big push, talking about kind of how he meant so much to them as well. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Them yeah. And he was, it's good to note as well, the guy's not finished. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no. I won't just feel like I think he's in his mid-70s now. Right. He's still got... Films in yeah, he's born like sure. he's born like 42, 43, I think something like that. He's born right at right, right, the middle of the war, I think I'm sure. Right. You know, so he's he's a decent age, but he is he does by no stretch is he going to be finished anytime soon. No, he seems like he's if you look at his project wall on IMDb, he's still got a lot of stuff lined up that he wants to do. And he's at least he's you keep looking at that spinning top. Yeah, you, you keep fault. looking at it as well. well it's faulting. It's faulting now. So the spinning top was supposed to last forever. It lasted approximately how long was that roughly? Five minutes it lasted for Colin. Five minutes is good for a spinning top. For a ten minutes of spinning top, yeah. Well, but, but, okay, in terms, and if you're looking at the bigger picture, right, it kind of failed miserably. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of your average spinning top, it's not bad. But that was Inception, that would be a really difficult conception if, if the camera just rolled on for five minutes and the spinning top fell over. Yeah, yeah. that was a really shit fell of Inception, so I didn't really get that. People, um, I always play spinning tops in work, um, and people always come and say to me, oh, Inception, and I never get the reference. Because yeah. I have no idea what I fucking talked about. And somebody explained it all to me one day, and I was like, I fucking hate that film. I hate Tom Hardy, how dare you? Yeah. Well, let's get off Inception, let's get off. Yeah. Um, no one backwards. So, yeah, well, that's a man who can. Spielberg, there is. Um, Straight enough, I don't think I've, I've actually seen an interview with Spielberg. You must have seen an interview with Spielberg. Honestly, I don't. Not even on like Blu rays, DVDs, or TV, nothing. I don't think I've actually ever called Spielberg talking about movies. Well, that's what's interesting as well. You see, he, watched, he doesn't do a lot of interviews about his own stuff. He, he talks, he's a, Spielberg's a film geek. He likes to talk about other people's films a lot. <laughs> So he has to him sit there and actually take a retrospective on his own career and his own work and what it meant to him. It's, 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 I find it really interesting seeing it's to try and get inside this guy's brain. Yeah. Um, it's just it's so fascinating and I hope one day, I, I, mean, I don't know if you will do it, like either an autobiography or a biography done by someone who actually is you know, closely connected to him. You know, there's been a lot of books published about him but it's all been sort of like interviews that you've heard already, you sort of mm. cherry picking from them. To have a guy like uh, Walter Isaacson who wrote about Steve Jobs and has wrote about people like that, to maybe sit down and actually talk to Spielberg for an extended time and actually put it into words and put his career into words and what, you know, because you see, um, it'd be really, I'd be really intrigued to see it all um, and do, do no more about it. And I hope it doesn't happen that it's when he dies. This is when this happens. Yeah, I'd like to hope it. Can I hope hopefully got a long way to go? Hopefully it's soon within his lifetime. Within his lifetime, we can I would not see this guy because he is, like, he is for me, he is the most influential filmmaker. That's 
ever lived in our in the last like maybe definitely this generation and probably probably last like maybe seventy years. Yeah. I mean, if you take away the guys who sort of pioneered it, you know, the, the early guys, you know, mm. take take them away from it, who they put in the ground rules of it. You know, the reason why you have why we're all excited for like seeing the Marvel Avengers movies and like all these things. Spielberg's a guy who put that in play. You know, with the massive, with the. Did he give us a blockbuster? He gave the what That's where the term comes from. It's you know, people lining up to watch Jaws. That was the first major. That was the first blockbuster where people were actually queuing for hours, days, you know, to try and see this damn film. He's the guy who invented. He's the guy who made this, you know, happen. And because of that, he, the whole cinema industry sort of owes so much to him because of that. Um, and just before we delve into the first Spielberg movie, if they made a movie about Spielberg, who would play Spielberg? Who would play Spielberg in a who movie? Who would you cast as Spielberg in a movie? I mean, he's a very odd, not odd, he's sort of a strange looking guy. I'm trying to think who would play him. They'd probably cast him like Jesse Eisenberg as him. So. Yeah, that would probably maybe fit to an extent, you know, you get the kind of awkwardness of Spielberg, because Spielberg is he's a total utter geek. You know, if you look at the, the if you look at the guys he hung about with, you know, he's a geek. Lucas is clearly the genius, but mm-hmm. misunderstood in many ways and doesn't really, he's a technical genius. You've got guys like the Palmans who says they're they're brutes, you know, they they would kick your ass as much as they would be, you know, make a great film. They are the absolutely they, they kind of guys. So Spielberg is a total geek and he maybe feels like the odd one out in that group, but his Body of work speaks for him. Can you speak you for him? Eisenberg I think Eisenberg. I'm trying to think of the guy, other guys who are this year. I'm, I'm going to be totally nuts here and say. Idris Elba. No, no. <laughs> Steve Carroll. Steve Carroll. Steve Carroll would be a good shout, yeah, actually, I yes. Think yeah. I could see him obviously with a beard and the glasses and stuff like that. It'd be hard. Tough way to play when he's young. I'm thinking you can yeah. maybe you could age up Eisenberg more than you could age down, age down yeah. Steve Carroll. But if you were maybe split it, you know, Steve Carroll would probably play like an older. Spielberg very well. Yeah, that's yeah. not a bad show, actually. I like that. Yeah, and Eisenberg, Steve Carell, double-hander. Yeah. But the story itself, I mean, the story, Spielberg story itself, it's, it's exciting, but it's not, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a cinematic story. Yeah. You know, he had a, he, he grew up, you know, with a family kind of divided because his family split up. He's like, mum and dad divorced. He loved movies. He maybe when he was a kid, which is the same. So there's many, like a thousand different, a million different kids. And then he went on to the Hollywood lot and, you know, he managed to get in the lot and just like, well, he's, he went he, to there. He's never really had any controversy or scandal, has he? No, I don't, I, from what I can think of, no. You know, he, he's talked, he's talked, he, he sometimes, well, you know, he's been known to kick people off of sets because of, you know, their opinions and views, you know, when it comes to, like, you know, the Megan Fox thing and yeah. uh, um, a few other people. He's had, like, sort of people speak out against him. He's, he's quite to shut it down, but, yeah, he, he, he seems, like, devoid of any sort of, um, you know, which, scandal, which is nothing, not a bad thing. Which is good because it seems to be that there's not many fucking left. In no, exactly, yeah. That have kind of got that, um, which are like, um, right, shall we? Shall mm-hmm. we? Do you want to dive into the filmography? Let's go. Right, so, number one, he had done a lot of TV early on, obviously. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not really too deep into yeah. done a lot of like the Hitchcock um, TV show and stuff like that. Um, he's done, he done that on Hollywood. Hitchcock Presents. Yeah, he done, done a few of them. Um, his first feature film was a film, I think it only got a TV movie release in America, but it did get a cinematic release in Britain. It is, it is billed as a TV movie, you're right. But it is, but in Britain it got a cinematic release and it's called Jewel. Yes. Have you seen Jewel? Yes, I fucking have. I love Jewel, you're Jewel. a great movie. Jewel is a great, great. It's just such a simple, simple premise. What the premise is? Is, is this guy's driving through the desert, um, I think he tries to go past the truck, constructing off road, and the truck basically stops uh-huh. him through the desert. That, uh-huh. that, it's, it's almost Jaws with a truck. It's Jaws with a truck. Yeah. And it's, I think it's almost, it's, it's kind of what Tarantino took for um, Death Proof to an extent. Course, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that kind of. Yeah. It's not a truck in death proof, but the same idea. There's sort of like a, a, an unseen driver, like haunting you. Mm-hmm. But it, it's got, 
it, it just from start to finish it's tense. Yeah, it's it very much is, gives yeah. you tension. And and you know, it, 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 a lot of it's not it is it's, it's a fucking a ninety minute long car chase. Essentially, yeah. But it just builds tension. Oh, it's so very much a schlocky B movie. And there's only like what two three characters in it? Yeah, I bet yeah. who's who's in it? I can't remember. I honestly can't remember the, the main actor's name. It's not Dennis Hopper, is it? No, it's not Dennis Hopper. No. Um, but it's like it's one of those films where it's not even. It's, it's a, in anybody else's hands. It could easily be made by like Roger Corman and been utterly awful. Yeah. Like absolutely terrible. Yeah. But in Spielberg's hands, it actually becomes I something really, really well done. Beaming. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm running the name through this now because I'm not saying Dennis Weaver. Dennis Weaver is a guy who plays yeah. the main. The driver of the the car is yeah, being haunted yeah. uh, by this truck. He's had a moustache. Yeah. Yep. Um, Weaver's a great actor as well. Um, I don't know much of his work actually. I mean, what do you know him from? What's he done? He done um, Dennis. Was he not? He's in Touch of Evil. Was he not McLeod? McLeod from, from Sam McLeod. Yeah, that's the one. That's kind of where he made his name. It was really really big TV show in the seventies. I want to say McLeod mm-hmm. was, and he was like this kind of cowboy cop. Um, you know, the, the kind of wore the cowboy hat and stuff like that. It was a cop and. You know, very very sick in America, mm. um, and I grew up watched it because my parents watched it, and right. that's how I kind of knew him. But I think yeah, that was his kind of. He was oh look, it's McLeod. So mm. and if you've seen my movies, so, oh look, there's McLeod in a movie, something like that. Yeah. Like that. Interesting. Well, it was written by Richard Matheson. Oh, who also wrote um, Omega Man. Omega Man Legion. Ah, Legion. Oh, yeah. So you wrote that kind of stuff. So it was really good. Sort of, again, that fits. That does fit because like Richard Matheson for a long time did write sort of very schlocky yeah. sci-fi stories, essentially. You know, like sort of like sci-fi stories. So it fits in with that world. But Joe, it's a it's a it's a strong entry, I think, and he's yeah. a debut feature. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's all set in desert, mm-hmm. so it's just these these kind of big panoramic desert views. Yeah. There is big bastard truck chasing this, this car, and it's just. It's an awesome film. So, so, so. <coughs> the next one on the list is the only Spielberg film I've not seen, Which and I can't find it um, apart apart from massive like sort of you get if you get like a compendium of his work, right. and I've got I've got all my individuals, so I'm not I'm not going to pay fifty quid for this film. I have to try and find it somewhere. It's a film called Sugarland Express. I think it's about Goldie Hawn's in it. I think for a start. Right. Okay. Um, I think it might again be a TV movie. I think. Um, but it's, it is his second movie, right. um, technically. Um, so this is him still, you know, he's laying the groundwork for who he's going to be, you know, I'm Steven Swiller, my first movie with Joe, starting to take notice. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's starting to kind of step up and find who he is, and then there's Sugarland Express with Goldie Hawn, who in 74 would have been young. Break, breakthrough, Yeah, probably one of the early films, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, well, she was born in 45, so 74, she would have been maybe 30. 30, yeah. Oh, shit, Goldie Hawn's Goldie been around for a while. Um, that's about it. William Atherton was also in it. Do you know him? No, I don't know. Um, William Atherton is in Die Hard and Ghostbusters. He's Walter Peck in Ghostbusters. Mm. Yeah, this man has like, no dick. I like yeah. his face a lot, man. He's yeah. got a really interesting face. He's in it, so yeah. I can't comment on it. I've never seen it, and I keep meaning to try and find it, and I just I can't find it, so I'm don't go. I've not seen it, so we'll skip on this. That was 1974. Four. When was Joe? 71. 71. Three years later, it does. He's done, he done TV in between times yeah. there. Um, then 75 is the one you'll be remembered for. Um, is Jaws, yeah. which we discussed at length on this podcast many times. Because Jaws is your favourite film. Yes, without doubt, without yeah, question, it's my favourite movie. Nothing, nothing touches Jaws. Nothing touches. Nothing comes close to Jaws for me. It's, it, Jaws. Is, well, nothing. That's not a wrong to say that because other things can't come close to Jaws. But to me, I can watch Jaws a thousand times, yeah. and I probably have watched it a thousand yeah, times, yeah. and I never get bored of it. It's I still. Mean, it's a perfectly. It's a perfect lean 
brilliant piece of movie. And I know everything. I know everything that went into the filming of Jaws that made it that way because like it's almost everything that went wrong made it the way it is. Yeah. So it's almost it's not that his decisions were to make it like this. It's, it was forced to make it in this respect. But even at that, I still think it's, it's nothing short of fantastic. I mean, it's not single-handedly, but it, but it is. It is almost ultimately responsible for for the kind of persecution of sharks. I mean, I, I'm okay <laughs> with that. Possibly. <laughs> Um, and, and yes, it's surrounded by Hollywood, of course, like, you know, like the Hyrule kind of Magic and the Shark Cage problem to try and get yep. scale. The shark didn't work, so they had to not use it. You know, it's it supposed to take like three months to film it, and up taking something like 12 yeah. months to film and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, the crew, the cast and crew didn't really know each, didn't really get on well. You know, Spielberg was getting thrown off the project at one point. They've, they've got the writer of the book involved in it, or oh no, the writer of the screenplay involved in it because he needs to be on set, so they put him in, he's a mayor's mate and stuff like that, because yeah. he needs somebody's on set to, to do rewrites. You know, the idea that um, Robert Shaw was drunk when he done the Indianapolis speech and all that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, to me, I don't care, it, it adds to the mythos of that yeah, film. definitely. And when you get to the end of the movie, but none of that matters because it is... It's an amazing, perfect, amazing film. Perfect film, and it's also it's got it's got, it's the moments of like real high drama, you know, stuff with the shark and the the, the pond, yeah, and the shark attacking the um, the, the orca is amazing. It's a quiet moment that from I adore, like, you know, the bit with the Indianapolis speech is beyond phenomenal, um, but also the bit when he's sitting with his his boy at the dinner table and a copy of each other yeah. I mean, that's, it's such a quietly beautiful moment between them you Which know Spielberg but Spielberg gets that he gets the, he's, like, he's like the anti-Lucas almost oh. Lucas doesn't get people but he makes spectacles Spielberg gets people but yes uh, sometimes to put a, lot of to, a lot of people to put that down as Spielberg's detriment you know sometimes I think he's overly emotional with films yeah. you know maybe overly schmaltzy to an extent with some mm. stuff which I can understand people say with certain movies but when he, when he nails it which he does in Jaws he nails it absolutely perfectly and it is absolutely. I think it adds so much to the film because you get introduced to like you know uh, Brody and his wife and instantly believe they're a married couple yeah. there's nothing and maybe that's good acting as much as anything else but you believe them as a couple it's the directing and the writing you know it's there, yeah. and, like, and the bit I love is there's a shot in the film where when they're talking about their injuries you know they've all had mm. and, and you see um, Brody look at his side and he lifts his shirt up and he just looks at it he doesn't tell you where it is he just looks at it any other film director right now would A, either have him tell the story or B, it would start with a flashback of that or something. Yeah. You know, that would be the opening scene of the film would be him getting shot in New York and that's when he goes, right, we've got to move to Rhode Island because he's like, no, he's let, let, let the moment lie, let it, yeah. leave it as it is and just, you can make up your own story. And I, you can, I think you do with George, you, you care about the characters, if, even like the mayor's a dick, but you know, you, you're just so invested in every fucking character uh-huh. throughout the movie, you know, and it's just, it's just yeah, he just gets people <laughs> in the nose how to give them that, you know, where like they just say a look, or you know, that one about the list, that's oh. just giving them humanity by, you know, just yeah. real fucking people and you believe them. And there's definitely, I mean, in this film he's taken a lot from Hitchcock, you know, there's a lot of stuff he's, you know, the Hitchcock yeah. zoom and all that kind of stuff, it's nothing, yeah. work for the most part doesn't do a lot of things that are revolutionary, mm-hmm. it, takes, it takes other people's ideas, or ideas that have been put there before, and refines them and just subtly changes them and just moves them in a way that makes you go, that's really well done, that's really yeah. clever. You know, this, you know, the bit with Ben Gardner's head popping out of the boat, that's just pure Hitchcock, that's just pure slasher film almost, but it, he does it so well. Yeah. You know, and uh, the score is used to absolute perfection, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's used when it's not supposed to be used, it's used when it is supposed to be used. It's just, it, the whole film is made, particularly when they got, from the moment the first attack happens, the whole film is it put you off guard, and for the whole film you are off guard. It, it does. So when, there's, even when, there's, when there's nothing happening, you're kind of waiting for something to uh-huh. happen, or wondering what's going to happen. Yeah, and you know, stuff when you yeah. see the shark just pop up, and just just, just the bit when he's chucking the chum into the back of the, yeah. and just the shark just need like no music, just like holy yeah. shit, that's and it's the reaction of the actor sells it. You know, you get stuff with like the. Um, 
there's a bit I really like in it as well. It's the bit with the you know the boy getting eaten on the the boy getting eaten off the lilo. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't see it. You barely, see, you don't, see, you hardly see anything. It's just like, fuck! Did I just think? Did I see a, a shark? Like, and it's yeah. you know, you, the reaction of the people on the beach. The same reaction as yours. Like, did I just see what I think I see yeah, there? Did, did that happen? <laughs> you know, it did. It did. Um, no, I think Jaws is. I don't know if it's it'll go down in history as he's, he's kind of most memorable, but the one that's best known. I think there may be other films that maybe have, yeah. a, have had a bigger impact, um, sort of culturally, than um, than Jaws, and then in the sort of, and maybe more important than Jaws. Mm. But for me, it is it's. It's hard to say he's his best work. It's my favourite of his work by far. Yeah, but it is not by far. It's, by, it's just my favourite of his as work. As we said earlier, it does it kind of sets up you know what a blockbuster should mm. be, and it gives you you know here's what you need to chase now, and from there cinema only benefits. Yeah. So, um, so after that, <coughs> seventy five into seventy seven, uh, closing cars with third kind, which we talked about actually quite we recently. Spoke about it a few months ago. So, um, I I seen it as a kid in the cinema. Yeah. Um, and. It's a heavy movie for a kid to take in both. Some about aliens basically trying to make contact yeah. with. When you're a kid, Earth, what you yeah. take for that is, is I'll never remember the mashed potato scene yeah. and, and the tune at the end. That, that, that's yeah. it. So when you're a kid, there's these two parts that are this amazing movie. It's when you're older, you think, Jesus, you know, that, this is what the movie was about. It uh-huh. wasn't about a man making fucking mountains out of potatoes. It's a man having a mental breakdown, <laughs> is, yeah, essentially, yeah. Yeah, which you only get when, when you're older, you're an adult, you appreciate it a bit more. But yeah, it's um, fucking terrible film. It's a great film. Um, it's, it's, Again, it's hard to say it's his most visually stunning film because all these films look to me look visually stunning. Yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's so good looking. You know, he's getting some he's getting director photography on that is um he's got Douglas Slocum doing the director photography and he's got the Hungarian German whose name I can never pronounce. Um German. Uh, Zygmunt, I think he died recently. He's a like again phenomenal like just sees light and just ways that people don't normally see. Like, he died very recently, actually. He shot Jersey Girl, oddly enough, as well. That was one of his last one of his other films. Um, but yeah, so, again, he, he, works, he, he works with the best as well. So if you work with the best, you're going to have good results, you yeah, know. And yeah. But still, even at that, that closing it's it visually, I think, his most stunning film. The film. Every scene of that film is almost something you want on your wall. You know, every scene, like every scene. With, every scene's crafted. Every scene yeah, is crafted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and with that, it just comes across. Some of the performances, not from all the performances, are fantastic. You know, yeah. Breakfast. I, I think it might be my favourite Breakfast performance of them all. Oh, possibly, maybe. Um, what I like about it is, is it, it doesn't hold your hand. You know, it's like, it, no. it, you know, it, it's like you know, you're not. It treats you like a fucking an adult. Person. Who can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we don't need to. You know, you don't need to explain. Here's the fucking film. Uh-huh. Watch it, and you know, you'll get it. Yeah. It's it. You know, we don't need to fucking force feed you. We don't need to explain every minute. <coughs> watch it. And it just, it does, it just, you know, treats you like a bit of respect. Oh, exactly, and that's, and you see something like that when you watch something like Arrival. Yeah. You know, you see always that's, to- that's, that's always inspired a lot by it. Yeah. Same idea. We're not going to spoon feed you in, uh, the, the story to this. We're going to make sure you have to yeah. figure something out. If you don't get it, come back and watch it again. Maybe yeah. you'll get it the second time yeah. around. Intelligent adult, we don't need to fucking dumb it. Ah, oh, we, we, we don't have to put... Think of it, and you do. And um, for that, just phenomenal. Um, so close girls again, just stunning piece of work. So that's a fantastic double punch there. Um, 79, he first sort of, people have said that as a failure, as a wobble, 1941. I, 1941. Yeah, I, I enjoy it immensely, yeah. I think it's fun. Yeah, um, it's, basically it's a comedy set on the west coast of America, yeah. um, straight after Pearl Harbor has happened, yeah. um, and it's basically the entire west coast in a, in a state of panic, yeah. because they think the Japanese are going to come and invade them, uh-huh. and it's, a, it's, it's, it's not quite a spoof. 
It's not quite naked gun, isn't it? It's not naked gun. It's funny. It's funny, yeah. Um, it, it, it's more National Lampoon funny than yes. Naked Gun funny. Um, and it has quite a lot of the National Lampoon cast in it as well. Well, you've got Belushi and stuff in it, Aykroyd's yeah. in it, a lot of people in it, yeah. But um, that just, I mean, that, for me, the iconic bits is um, Belushi with a cigar and, you know, the, On top of the, tank. Uh, the flying hill yeah. and stuff like that, um, and the big kind of wheel. Kind of the roll, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and it bombed, I think. It didn't do well enough. Yeah, very yeah, turkey. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things, I think. It's something people probably found over the last like fifty years. Big budget comedy is hard to do. Yeah. You know, even something recently like, say for example, Bruce Almighty, not Bruce Almighty, Evan Almighty, mm. massive budget on a comedy, and people just go, I'm not. If you make, it's not that funny. If you, if you, if your scale becomes bigger than the jokes, the jokes sometimes get lost. You suffer for it. Yeah. Suffer for it. Yeah. Um, I personally really like 1941. I think it's a really Same. enjoyable movie. Yeah. Um, and probably retrospectively, look back and go, you know what, that's not a bad film, but. If almost it was like a, a, a two films in a row that are massive hits. And that's what I'm thinking is precursors to, you know, you've done George, you've done Close Encounters, the fuck is this? You know, we're almost, they're almost waiting for the, the kick down. Yeah. Um, but if you've not seen 1941, either, you know, go and watch it. If you have seen it again, you didn't, and give it a rewatch, because it yeah. does hold up really well. It, it's fun. Yeah. yeah it's, it's just absolutely nice. I think also it's, it's a cracking opening gag with the um, the, play, the submarine in the Jaws, remember? The, um, I can't remember. It's basically that. the, 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 the Jaws theme with the, um, the periscope going along, and then all of a sudden it's, it pans out, and it's, it's not a Obviously, it's not a shark. Yeah, it's and that's really clever. No, it's yeah. not. It's not. It's a plane going through, right. the, going through the sky. Right. Okay. That's really funny. That's really. That's quite smart. Um, he is, I think he's, one of, he's trying to be in with the cool kids in this one a little bit with the Belushi at the time. You know, Belushi was obviously at that point. Belushi was at his, his, his peak of just the, the coolest guy on the planet. Was Tom Hanks of his time then? Maybe if, if Tom Hanks done lots of hookers and blow, I think maybe. Well, <laughs> in terms of bankability, you know, you want yeah. a funny guy. Who do we get? Oh yeah, we get Belushi. Belushi, yeah. Yeah, pull off the heels I think all the animal, yeah, I think from Vision in that world, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. 1941, um, again, cracking film. First one up is he's, again, a, kind of a film that you can't believe, like the same guy who made this made Jaws, um, but Raiders of the Lost Ark. Raiders is, well... Uh, is this your favourite one? My favourite Spielberg. Uh-huh. We'll get to the, we'll get to the end, but I mean, mm. you'd be the right age for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've never seen it in the cinema. Did you not know? No, I've seen it kind of DVD or possibly pirate. VHS? VHS possibly, yeah. Um, and I don't adore Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, obviously Harrison Ford by that point was Han Solo as well, so he was established. You know, he was already the coolest guy in the fucking universe. Yes. That is making the coolest guy here as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how cool can this guy get? Um, and also, we've spoken about this before as well, and it's only me and you remember this, but it also always been this memory of a documentary scene where they're kind of going behind the scenes of it uh-huh. and he staples his hat on yes and I've spoken about this over the years and yeah. people are all just like you've made that shit. no no it's true yeah, it, it, yeah. you know, it, it's true you know Harrison staples that hat on because it blows up and it's funny the thing what people don't get now is Harrison Ford when you see him like off camera if you get him the right not, not in interviews, in interviews he's, he's much, very much the Harrison Ford of like, I don't want to be here, I'm kind of grumbly. I'm yeah. Gonna, yeah. You see him behind the scenes and stuff like that, when he's talking to people, he, like the actors who he enjoys working with from the director, he's a very funny guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a real sense of humour that, that comes through with people he likes working with. Yeah. It's just when he's having to do junkets, he sort of becomes like the boring guy. He's, he never seemed to kind of embrace fame, Harrison Ford. No, he doesn't. Really, that, that's what it is. He's a carpenter that <coughs> became famous, and he's yeah. like, but I'm a carpenter and I, I became famous. But he, is a phen- but he can be a phenomenal actor as well. Definitely. Because oh, yeah, yeah. something I've noticed recently is, like, say, for example, the big guy this now is Chris Pratt. Right? Yeah. The Chris Pratt that's in Jurassic World is the same Chris Pratt that's in Guardians of the Galaxy. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, there's no real difference in character there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But there's a different character between Han Solo and Indiana Jones. Yeah. There's, there's two distinctly separate people. Definitely. He's not just aping one. He's not. He's not using. No. He's not aping it in any way. No, they're two separate. It's like. It's not all there's Harrison Ford, it's like there's fucking Jones uh-huh. and there's Han Solo. Yeah. It's two, it's two characters, not one actor played together. Yeah, it's two distinct separate characters, distinct, yeah. You, you will differentiate from... Completely. And because of that, that's what makes him, I think he has a crackingly good actor as well. Um, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. It's not my favourite indie film though, which we'll get to later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's, I mean again, I think about these films you've got right now, you've got, like, Jill didn't have any iconic scene, but Jaws is an iconic scene with obviously all the stuff in Jaws, is, every scene's almost iconic. Yeah. Closing Counters are the scene with the mothership. Yeah. Ninety forty one missing one out now, but Raiders Lost Ark, I mean, you've got the scene with the hat, you know, how many people have copied the scene with the hat getting the dragged boulder. under? The boulder. Yeah. You know, it's been aped so many times, yeah. like, it's, it's indelible part of the culture, you know, that's showing yeah, what you can do as well. Exactly. You know, the bit with the, the is Raiders the one with the, I just saw with a whip? Yeah. Somebody shoots him. Yeah, just, yeah. Again, and that wasn't done because it, in the script. That was just that was because something happened on set that day, and they had to like improvise. And that's what and, the, and it made it fucking brilliant. You know, it's like yeah. I mean, how much is that? You know, how much of these fears don't happen now? But it's the, it's almost the idea of, of recognizing those moments and think, you know, leave it in. Don't leave it in. This like this will work. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Um, but it's, it's a fallback to. The, the, the kind of action movies of the 40s and 50s, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely, that's the whole point. That's what Lucas, Lucas envisioned it as a serial, like one of the kind of early 1930s. I think it's hard to take stuff like because I think they're trying to just now go with it, like, shit like previously Geostorm, they're trying to take kind of 70s disaster movies and, and update them, and it's hard to do, yeah. but Spielberg done it. So what, yeah, this, like, what, what, what um, Razor Lost Art does, I and mean, what a lot of films that are very clever that way do, is if you make it a period piece when it's first made, it will never age. Yeah, because it was already old when we first came yeah, out. Yeah, you know that's why if you watch a film that's set very much in the nineties, you go like that looks very nineties, and it and it dates with you. Whereas that looks like forties and it's many. In the forties, yeah. 40s. It's in the forties exactly. Yeah, not, there's no technology in it that really sh- that shines out going yeah. okay, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, really lost Ark. Beautiful film. Phenomenal movie. Again, shot by Douglas Slocum. Yeah. Again, amazing shooting, amazing, amazing um, DP. Um, next one up on this list is. Um, E.T. the Extraterrestrial, 1982. E.T. was where I took my very first girlfriend to, to see in the cinema. <laughs> so I had very few movies of E.T. Yeah, was, um, did E.T. get you some action? I, no, he didn't. Did not. No, the family came as well. So it wasn't, <laughs> but I, I was, a different uh, time. I was an 11-year-old with a twink in my eye, uh, and I took my first ever girlfriend to see E.T. with me, um, and I cried. I mean, I still cry at E.T. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the very simple story of a, a kid trying at home but the kid happens to be an alien, an alien yeah. and makes friends with it people just, in the wrong way it, it touches your heart doesn't it yeah. if, if you don't cry at ET you know when you're a fucking alien yourself you know you're not from this planet yeah exactly you've got, just yeah it's beautifully done. It's, it's a puppet. I mean, he's a fucking puppet, but you just every part of you adores that. Yeah. Fat, long neck alien. And it's an ugly alien as well. It's not an attractive alien at all. It's not like it's not like it's a, it's a horrible looking alien, but and, full and, of heart. In retrospect, as well, like, and, and I'm horrible for saying it, but it, it's not aged well. I don't need to, but it's still got. I, I've watched it recently. I think it has aged well. I think it feels very, very aged. Um, but I, I like it. <coughs> I'm, I want to be swept away in this. Yeah, it does well. feel very much of its time, yeah. say, but I think because it's all about, because the stories itself is not bogged down in the 80s, it's, yeah. more, it's a universal story of yeah. you know, a kid trying at home, it, become, it, it transcends that. And again, there's the whole story of family and the, the broken family for a lot of the time, you know, for most of the film through it. Yeah. Um, and also the family of like your family who you pick, not who you, not you who you're born with type thing, you know, you come, you know your friends pitching and stuff like that. 
universe is old school, but I really connect with that, you know, stuff like that. And then also at the same time, he was doing stuff like the Goonies and things, like, you know, producing that. Yeah. It's you can see where you can see where Spielberg's like idea of the perfect family, the broken family, is is, is, is heavily invested in his work. And I think this is where we start to get introduced to what we now term is, is you know a very Spielberg world that when you watch something like Stranger Things, you be like, you know, that feels like a Spielberg movie. It's definitely. It's, it, this is him starting to. Get that niche yeah, I mean, E.T. is definitely an idealised view of the family, yeah. but it's still a broken family at heart. You yeah. know, everything everything that's idealised is still slightly off balance. Yeah. You know, he doesn't want to make everyone totally happy. You know, that, that's like he's still going to have some level of like, you know, there's, there's a darkness in there, be it like you know, a father, a music missing father. Yeah. You know, something will be there that sort of that, that makes it not. It's not the perfect. You know, it's not the. It's not the. Um, it's not a utopian. Yes, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's definitely definitely something to be broken. Yeah. Um, E.T. Like, again, I love it. It, it smashed up the record. Like, yeah. You know, so you, I, I mean, I think did Jaws not do that smash record? Jaws, I mean, everything he put his gun is smashed yeah, the record. He, 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 he keeps upscaling himself. Yeah. yeah. All the time, and he did And as I mean, I went to see it with you know, at that point, my brothers and sisters who were freaking babies yeah. at the time, and my mum was there, and you know, this girl, and it was just like this whole family thing, and it was like, you no, know, proper like water, like, you know, the, yeah, this is entertainment, you know, this yeah. is. This is what cinema should be, you know, just sitting there with your loved ones and about you, just, um, <coughs> you know, covered in this film and built yeah. it, it just really works. It is pure cinema, that's thing, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's making films for cinema, he's not making yeah. he's not making cinema to watch at home, Yeah. he's making cinema, he's making something to be watched on a big screen yeah. with people, you know, with family, with friends, and that's how, that's how films should be viewed, and it's, I love the fact that my, my sister texted me, I think a couple of days, or maybe last week, and she was telling my youngest niece, who's like, going to be two this year, is now in love with E.T., like she adores E.T. Oh, and it's like, good. yeah, like that's like, you know, 30 years after the film came out, yeah, like 40 years after the film came out, years time it'll still hold up as well. Exactly. It's timeless. It's, I mean, it, it's, when I'm saying, you know, it's stuck in the 80s, that's not a bad thing. No, no. Because like, I'm stuck in the 80s sometimes, yeah. that, that's me. Um, and, you know, it was made in the 80s, and sometimes you see that, but I think, yeah, the story is much bigger than when the film is set. Absolutely, yeah. That's what will give it, you know, Joy for yep, next up on this one is the first sequel you ever did, which was Temple of Doom. Which is the weakest oh no it's not it's not the weakest. <laughs> uh, your not anymore. It's not, not anymore. Um yeah, I mean I still enjoy it. it yes. It's still Indy's still the coolest character from the fucking planet. You know, Harrison just goes in and he's still Indiana Jones and you know, it just every beat is just perfect when we stuff like that, but it didn't quite I don't know. But I think I, the biggest problem I've got with that film is I think it's the um, the, the, the co-star. I know I, I know it's his wife now, so I can't really speak too ill of her. But the dynamic that Harrison Ford and Karen Allen had as Indian and Marion yeah. was so perfect, and it felt like such a, it, it felt complimentary as, as a relationship. It's good with this idea of making every Indian film have like a Bond girl type thing, or have a different yeah. woman. And this one, she also was screamed throughout the whole film. I didn't really get, it didn't really do anything, like add anything. She became more just a damsel in distress. A couple of moments, but yeah. No, I mean, at most yeah, she's just a damsel. Yeah. And then, whereas, you can believe Marion would fight her way out or something. You just, you just doesn't need she Indy. Just, uh, she would drink under the table, make kick your ass as well. Yeah, she doesn't need Indy. Whereas this one, I felt like she was very much sort of fighting and it comes across a bit bland at times. Yeah. You know, a bit sort of treading water a little bit. But still, there's some great moments in it, like the Dali Man stuff and the like the sequence for the diamonds. And the, yeah, that's, that's pure pure cinema. It's like yeah. it's proper like 19, like 20, 30s, 40s sort of yeah. like dance, you know, sort of yeah. like um, you know, kind of Bing Crosby almost, like mm-hmm. you know, a big dance number. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, I still enjoy it, but if I was watching indie films, I'd, I'd actually put it below the other one that you think is higher than it. Really? Yes. Mm. It's, one, it's one I least enjoy. I've not seen the other one yet, because I think it's going to be that bad that mm. I'm scared to watch it. Okay. <laughs> um, and it introduces the short round as well. Yeah, it's true. Give it, give it that. Give it some that. short round. Short round's good. And, and it gave us a main cut scene as well, didn't it? Those, the yes. Main but they've always, they have always said, I've seen documentaries and they've said that a lot of the scenes that were in Temple of Doom are the scenes that were not put into... There's a lost art. sort of basically it's like it's things like oh that'd be a good idea for it. So it, in that way it does feel less of a concise story and more sort of like it's, it's a series of like sort of events. Kind of what actually would have become these days a little bit rather than a concise story. A lot of actually from these days you get a sort of a series of set pieces that mm-hmm. there's a tenuous link sometimes. The links yeah. in these are a bit less, they're a bit yeah. more tenuous. Um, well, not less tenuous. You know they actually do it for a bit of linking fashion, but they're it still feels like they're jumping from scene to scene to scene to scene yeah. to scene to scene. But it has got the monkey scene as well, the monkey brain. Monkey brain's good. Yep. But, 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 I think overall, it, <coughs> yeah, the plot's fucking forgettable. And the villain's forgettable as well. Yeah. And you get to a point where you don't care anymore of what he's trying to do or why he's trying to do it, you know, and you know when he's going to stop him anyway. Yep. And I think that's the problem with that part. Exactly. Uh, it's still got the cool of the first one. Yep. But the plot is just not quite... Not quite there. Yeah. No, no absolutely, I agree. It's, it's still thoroughly enjoyable for a, a movie, you know, better yeah, than pretty much anyone else oh, can yeah, do. Yeah. Um, after that is the colour purple. Have you seen the colour purple? Um, years and years ago, um, having grown up with a dad and step her way to an activist, um, yeah, I'd, I'd seen it. Um, I don't actually remember much about it, so it hasn't scared me as much as it probably should have, yeah. which I don't know is good or bad. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I know it's horrible subject matter yeah of course it's a necessary subject matter yeah it's about, it's about, it's about the slavery back at, uh, yeah slavery. and this is this is him his first kind of delve into maybe something a lot more controversial it's, it's definitely his delve into sort of, um, a more um, it's a darker type of cinema it's also yeah. it's a more sort of responsible type of cinema it's also cinema be probably try, trying to make a point not make a point he does want to make a point as well but make a, a social point in some way mm. a social, you know a social point as well um from, that's what in the documentary. It's the film. He's, it's, in the documentary, it's Spielberg when he's talking about it. It's probably the film he's most critical about himself. For doing. He wanted to do it. He felt he, 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 he felt he had an idea for it, but he himself was maybe hasn't pulled it off quite the way he, he should have done. But he still he's proud of it. But he yeah. feels that like he could have done. But if Spielberg now, he thinks he would have done it differently yeah. than what he did then. He's older and wiser, exactly. Um, did it, did it, I mean, it, it kind of swept up the Oscars, did it? I don't think it swept up that much. He, he nominated, I believe, but not much else. Right. He, he didn't actually win too much later on. Um, it is very much a white man's version of black female slavery, which is a tough thing to push I on. I don't want to go into it, because me and you, we, we're fucking privileged white fucking yeah, yeah. in Scotland. We don't understand shit, but do you think... You, you're saying it's a white man's view, but it's a Jewish white man's view? Does that make a difference? It possibly could do, because he, he has, you know, as he has been, he was... There's persecutions there. He's raised Jewish, he understood persecution, and he, he gets that much later on in his career as well. So he does understand that, to that sense that, you know, the persecution aspect of it. Yeah. There is still a... Colour Purple is very much a female film. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not... It's very much from a female point of view as well. And it's a, it takes a... I'm not saying a woman has to direct a woman, a man has to direct a man. But there is a certain point where the viewpoints do get skewed, and it's harder, and maybe they're stretching harder. Mm. And maybe at that time as well, maybe he was less willing to take on advice from you know, you know, maybe because he's had all this run of success, maybe he thought he knows what he's doing, mm. he knows he doesn't need to understand what we're saying to him, and he just decided to do what he was doing. It's by no means a bad film; it has a, it has a huge impact. It's still a hugely 
still, can you come away hard hit and film? Yeah, you come out with it stunned and you know slightly like that. But if there's any Spielberg film of all of them that are out that are right for a remake, I think that could be the one. Because obviously it's based on a book. Yeah. So if you feel the one that's the one that could be could be the next, not the next. That could be possibly. And it's always relevant. The subject. Absolutely. Has, yeah. It's, it's always. Particularly always now. Relevant. Particularly now when there's stuff coming out. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I've not seen it for a long time. Yeah, no, I've only seen it once. I, I, I don't really have much memory of it, which, mm-hmm. again, I don't know, it's probably bad that I don't, but, you know, yeah, I'm not like, going to problems, but I don't know much about it, so, yeah. So that was out in 85. This, this is now Spielberg in my lifetime. This, this is you. This is me sure in my lifetime. Christ, I, mean, I was like a teenager, but Yeah, exactly, yeah. You, 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 were, you were alive and joking out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, next film on the list is, I think, I think it's one of the most underrated movies. Um, that doesn't really get enough press, but I think it's a fantastic film. It's called Empire of the Sun. Oh, the J.J. Um, Ballard um, novel. More, more importantly, it was the first notable performance of a certain Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Absolutely, yeah. He plays easy on board. Uh, and Morgan Freeman is. I don't think Morgan Freeman's in, in it. No. Is, is it not? No. Not, I'm not thinking of it. I'll have to look and find out for you. Um, but basically, the story of it's a it's after the Japanese invasion uh, attack on Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Um, and basically. It's set, where's it set? Is it in Japan? Yeah, in Paris. Ah, yeah. So he's Christian Bale as, as a young boy who's basically he's trying to escape yeah, the Japan and turn. Ah, it was into um, a sort of. And he gets befriended by an African American, which is no Morgan Freeman. <coughs> um, I'm just checking up for you. It could be. I mean, I, honestly, I, I could be making that shit up. Um, it, it has also got John Malkovich in it as well, interestingly. Um, I've not seen it for a long It's got Leslie Phillips in it, you know. You know. No. I know, it's, it's um, not the, the cast has got I've in it, yeah. I've seen it for a long, long, long time. Ben Stiller's in it as well, he plays his, his friend in it, remember? He plays no. his, yeah, he's in it as well. I should re-watch You should, I mean, I've watched it recently just because I was going through a, a Spielberg phase. Um, which I always kind of go through anyway, during most time. There's no colour gentleman, I can see. Uh, no. I think it makes up a different film, dude. Possibly, um, yeah, maybe I am. But, again, it's Spielberg trying to, or not trying, I think succeeding in this sense. Of a bigger, making a bigger point. He tried to make, he tried to make epic cinema. He tried to make epic cinema in the style of Lawrence Arabia, which is always, he's always had a theory of film. Yeah. This feels very much like his swing at making a Lawrence Arabia, and you can see that when you watch the movie. Right. And also equally, the stuff right now has been ripping off. You know, like a couple, of, a couple of shots in the recent Star Wars. It's like it's the shots from Empire of Sun, the, 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 the fighter jets streaming out of yeah, the, of you know, kind of like apocalypse now as well. But yeah. there is sort of a there's definitely Empire of Sun is quite clear to it as well. And again, don't I mean the, the kind of streaming the planes and stuff. Again, that's often mimicked now. That, that's uh-huh. so iconic. Yep. That, it, it, it's kind of mimicked. And I think um, did the young fucking Batman not get? Lots of applause for his I think he definitely got lots of applause for it, yeah, absolutely. Even back then, he's yeah. one of the, as a film, was just a talent to be, you know, to be seen, you know, and someone who will be, you know, one to watch. And obviously, that turned out to be the case, and the guy's still working how long later, you know, as we're talking, what, it came out in 87, so we're talking over 30 years later, and this film, this guy's still working. And yeah. very rarely see a child actor obviously do that, and that's more, like, for him as well. Yeah. You know, he managed to keep himself relevant and, and move on. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's a film that every now and again you should just rewatch, because it's, it's just, the scale of it is huge as well, it's, yeah. it's, it's massive compared to this. Is, is it, I suppose 1941 was before, but is it the start of, not his love affair, that, that's the wrong way to put it, but... His interest in... Yeah, in, in that type of, in kind of wartime film. Well certainly, I mean, you can definitely well. see that, I mean Raiders of the Lost Ark is set, is it set? Yeah, it's set, it's set World War II yeah, as well, so I mean he has always got... 
the war is something I always go back to. And obviously, yeah. like you say, coming from a Jewish family, you imagine World War Two is sort of like for this generation, the last three generations of the of the Jewish people, World War Two probably the defining event that's happened in it. You know, you know that's like the thing. So that's what that will be the that will be sort of like the sort of there'll be a pre World War Two. And there'll be a, a post World War Two, you know, when yeah, things have, you know, shit changed. Yeah, shit changed. I mean, even though there was, <laughs> a, you know, there was issues, obviously major issues before that. Yeah. That's sort of like that is a watershed moment. So it makes sense. You've probably been raised in the environment, but that was something that was yeah. pushed on them. But uh, as we're going, we'll kind of see more and more films that you can see, kind of tearing off for us. Yeah, kind of a bit of. Definitely, um, and I think the next one up is 1989 is Last Crusade, which is my favourite Indiana Jones film. Um, it also set in that, um, like sort of Nazi times. It, it is Nazi times again, um, and this is the one where he meets his dad. Meets his dad, yeah. Who turns out to be another band, our favourite Scotsman. Yep, yeah, Sean, Sean Connery. Connery. You also get the first kind of prequel aspect of it as well. This is the first one that does a week kind of pre- This is the first film that does a kind of prequelness to it. That's right. It sets up um, River Phoenix. River Phoenix. You see everything, but what it does. I don't know if it, you don't really need it in the film because it's not really required in the film, but it's nice to have it. It shows you why you get the whip, why you get the hat, why you got the why you get the scar, why you fear the snakes, why you fear the snakes, why he's called Indy, and it does it all in about twenty minutes. It perfectly, it is. It's like a mini movie. It's, Wait, like, it's a wee movie before the movie. Almost. Yeah, it's I like mean, a wee short. We both know there's going to be an Indiana Jones prequel coming out at some point. Well, they've done the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I'm talking a proper yeah. feature of Indiana Jones the young. So. It's going to happen. Eventually, it's going to happen. Disney own it. They're going to try and use it. There's money in there. Right, they're going to use it at some point. Yeah. And they'll spend all this time rehashing this shit. And it's like, you didn't need it. Everything is in that first 20 minutes yeah. of that film. You don't need it. Whether it be, it's, I mean, the whole film's amazing. I think it's insane. As a set-up, yeah. just, you know, from, from just that part, just like, fuck, wow, you're just loving it. I think it's, I think it's an insanely fun movie. Totally it's pure over the top, and almost it seems like after doing Color of Purple, Empire of the Sun, he needed something less weighty to get just to enjoy being a, cinema, a director of cinema again. A director of like these these sort of like family, like not family films, but sort of like just blockbuster films. Just to get just to get back in there and just yeah. enjoy that. And I feel like a proper like just returning to his like, uh, what he's best at. It's a brilliant. Film. I mean, Sean Connery and Harris Ford together. They, they, they seem to work well together. Yeah. Um, Every line. Tomorrow, I, mean, I take it they had a, a genuine chemistry. I think. I, mean, I, I don't know. Connery's always been. Connery's been partly been very, always been very difficult to work with. But he, they seem to. He, he's an actor. He knows what he's doing when he's on screen. Yeah. Um, I think every line Connery says in that film is instantly iconic. I think every line is it's phenomenally oh, funny. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's, just, it's just every line is just so so funny. Yeah, and then yeah. the scene you see him like on the beach and his Messerschmitts flying yeah. towards him, and he just walks across and just does the whole thing with umbrella. It's like it's just so beautiful. It's so beautifully done. It's yeah. just, it's, and again, it, that's, to me, that's that is pure speed. We're just taking this moment, like a moment of high drama, and just like bring it, just just ending it very quietly. You're like oh, that's really sweet. And that's it really goes well done. back to where the plot makes sense again. You know, he's writing a plot. That, you know, it's like it's just like an old action yarn. You know, and yep. it's got a, a solid beginning, solid middle, and ties up. The end works. Stage, the end know, works fine. Yeah, there's no characters are memorable yeah. and stuff like that. You know, you, you, you care about the yeah, definitely. Mm, is it my favourite? I don't know. Crusade's my favourite. Yeah, I've got to say, Crusade's definitely my favourite of them all. Crusade, yeah. followed by. That song, I know. I've not heard a long time. Sorry. I know. I think the album because it has like two or three songs on the road. Yeah, that actually is my favourite as well. Yep. Um, yeah. 1989 as well, and I think a film that's a real favourite of yours um, is Always. Yeah. Always. Always is a really beautiful I movie. This is Dreyfus's best movie. You think so? I think so. I think it's just. Pure fucking charm. Uh, he is very charming. If, if anyone hasn't seen it, you know, you really should. Set the plot up basically. Um, Dreyfus is a pilot. 
pilot, he's a firefighter pilot. Who gets um, killed? Who gets killed. He comes back to try and to, to look after his lady again. Uh-huh. But she's moving on, so eventually Dreyfus decides, let's help her move on and I'll help the love interest get back with her again. Yes. Um, and that, that's it in a nutshell. But it's charming, it's funny, and it's heartbreaking, and it's warm. It's Spielberg. Neither of them because he's overly small to it, but I think it works in this film. Yeah. Um, who else is John Goodman's in. John Goodman's in. John Goodman. Um, I don't remember who plays the love, the love interest. Is it Holly Hunter? Boy, no, the, the, the German love interest. That she oh yeah, he's like, he was the guy who he, he popped up for a while in the early '80s or late yeah. '80s and then just disappeared and finally. Kind of handsome, chiselled Hollywood. I'm just getting into right now. Yeah. Brad Johnson is the man's name. Yeah, and it does. He looks very Hollywood. He looks. He looks a Hollywood star from the 1940s. Yes, he's got that look about him. But um, Dreyfus is just charming as this ghost, you know, and he's just trying to. He's just trying to look after. He's trying to do everything right and look after his lady and you know help this guy get through because he's a good guy, you know, and it's just beautiful. It it warms my heart, and it, it didn't really. It wasn't a box office sense, was no. it? I like one thing I like about it as well is the fact that it's um, Spielberg's connection to old Hollywood. Mm. Who directs Audrey Hepburn? Ah, right. Okay. So it's like that's her yeah. last film. So it's like she, it's a nice. She was in it. She's yeah. she's proper golden age. She has, yeah. she has golden age Hollywood. So it's that nice like that they kind of nice link and ties it together with like sort of the nineteen you know thirties, yeah. forties, and fifties. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've only seen it a couple of times always, but I, I, I really enjoy it. I would urge anyone to watch it. But it, it was a bit of a clunker by it's terms of... It's a hidden gem. I think so as well, yeah. yeah. If you've not seen it, do yourself here and watch it, because I don't think it's it suffers from age. I think it gets... Slightly better, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just... It warms me when you think about it. I enjoy that film as well. <laughs> it really does. Um, but it's one of the films, up until then, people... That was these two, these two clunkers people saw was always in 1941, and I disagree with both. I think they both are really enjoyable movies. I'm, I'm totally right, so I don't see why they got shot. Next film is the one that's always on my Christmas Which schedule. Which again is, strange enough, the next one that's come up was a flop. Well, it's commercial, it's a flop. Not only, it, it didn't do well at the box office, yeah. not only that, it's a film, every time I hear Critty talk about it, they always deride it. Yeah. And the film is, the film's Hook. Hook, yeah. which I, Maybe because maybe I saw it, I was about 91, I was about 6 or 7 years old. I love it. I, I mean, I was older when I seen it, and I love it as well. I think, it, I think it's really, really enjoyable. Do you know anyone that doesn't like Hook? I think, I think anyone that doesn't, exactly. yeah. Exactly, everyone fucking likes it. Critical divide, critics dislike this film for some reason, yeah. but audiences seem to love it, and I, I'm with the audience on this one. I think it's a crackly fun way. film. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. everyone's committed, like Robert Williams is probably one of his best performances as well. As Williams uh, has a pair of fun in it. Pure, and he is the ultimate Peter Pan, because he is like he is Peter Pan in a nutshell, you know, he's a, he's a, a grown up, a big, man a big a man child, yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. You've got Hoffman playing a brilliant hook, I think. Hamming it up for all years. Do you know who, you know who people wanted to play hook in the first place, though? Yeah. Bowie. Bowie would work as well. Yeah, but Bowie turned it down, but yeah, he wanted to have. Um, Hoskins is having a fucking field day, yep. I think, if I remember rightly, um, I'm actually thinking back to when the film came out. Um, the only person that, that kind of got really panned, what, media was Roberts. Was Roberts. She, she got fucking slated. By all accounts, she did not like the filming, though, because if yeah. you, it's early blue screen work. Mm-hmm. So she was basically she, she wasn't involved in the filming most of the time. Basically, she would shot all the, the stuff and then shot her on a blue screen right, like, later on. So yeah. she basically she had no interaction with the actors. It was very much right. like it's performance. So, I so that's maybe why it's so dry the performance. Ah uh-huh. yes, uh, yeah. But she she got I mean she she got panned for it. Um, I don't think Bones ever got panned, but I think she really really did. I see no reason to pan anyone in this film. I think it's a I think it's a proper good 
excellent family movie. Aye, it, it just moves and it's big and it's fucking stupid and it's fun. And it's, it's pure charm and just emotion. Yeah, yeah. All, all the way through it. Um, you also had um, Nine Force with it as a pirate, which. No, no, remember, yeah. It's kind of trivia, you know, yeah, always, it's a pub quiz. The blue box. The yeah. blue box, yeah. yeah. She's in that as well. Um, the two kids, I don't know what were happened to the kids, but they were quite charming. Um, they were, yes. Yeah, they, they, they were careful of playing it, and um, just, I, I, yeah. don't, I don't get the why anyone wouldn't like it. Is it Hoffman and Steel for you, or is it, is it, to me, it's Hoffman and Hoskins that's it for me, because every scene they've put together. Hoskins is just pure. The two of them together is just, yeah. it's pure, absolute brilliance. Yeah, uh, Hoskins is like, He's an asshole, but you just love him so much. Yeah. He, he, he just gets me so, so, so well. And Rufio as well. Rufio was Rufio. Died recently, Rufio died recently, I, I remember. Yeah. Well, which was a shame, yeah. yeah he's a young guy. Rufio's a, he's, a, he's also in The Perfect Weapon, which is another one of my favourite movies. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, Hook, it's, it's a retelling of the, of the Peter Pan story. I personally think it's brilliant. I love it. I watch it more often than probably most people watch it. I think, it's a, I think it's a, if you're looking for a proper family movie, you could not go wrong you with know, it. I, if I'm flipping through channels and so on, I'll watch it. Yeah. I'll stop and watch it. Um, also, interestingly, um, it was novelised by Terry Brooks, who is my favourite author. I've, I've never actually read it, but he he. That's a dying. I mean, so I probably discussed for another day, but that's a dying art form of like. I don't you get many more the novelisation of the film. It's something that's disappeared yeah. now. Um, he done it with Planet Menace as well. Did he? Yeah. He There's a lot. Cause I remember reading off topic. I remember reading the one of Batman mm-hmm. I've read that and thing. it's different it is it, it's a bit sin and yeah it's, it's almost like deleted scenes that you never, yeah. you never see yeah, it so. and it just gives you you know like, yeah, I suppose a project but you know here's what he was thinking You're yeah, like, oh, it's called, yeah. yeah it's a dying art something should be brought back I feel yeah. um, that's yeah. talking all day yeah. Um, after 91 we, um, he'd done two films in 1993 which both of them couldn't be more different than each other so after Hook after Hook um, the first one is Schindler's List which you don't sit down and enjoy that film, but that's a film that, that is going to last. It's essential. It's essential um, view for everyone, yes. I've only seen this, I think we spoke about this before on, on the podcast, but I've only seen Schindler's List um, about two years ago for yep. the first time. I'd, I'd never watched it. And <coughs> it, I mean, it's, it's hard watching, you know, and you just feel shame. Uh, yeah, complete utter shame, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, no reason to feel shame. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm, I'm fucking living Glasgow. <coughs> yeah. My parents live in Glasgow. Yeah. I feel shame about this, but I feel shame. Yeah. And horrible and... Just, yeah. It, it just, it's a... It's a relevant film. Yeah. It's, it's beyond relevant. To you, man. It is beyond relevant. It's a film that... that uh, if probably, I want George to be one of them before. I think this will probably be the one that... If you can remember in a hundred years' time, it'll be for Schindler's List, because... It's beyond harrowing, and it. it's... It's it just... Stunning filmmaking to like tell such a huge story, boil it down to something so like not small, but still what the idea is, is obviously massive. Sort of personal. To bring a personal and to bring a humanity to the bad guys. You know, he brings a humanity to the guy. Is it um, Hess that runs the? Um, yeah. There's humanity in him which makes him even more fucking terrifying. And that's not a performance as well. There's always yeah, a performance as well. But things, plays a performance, yeah. 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 But. He, there's a humanity to that character that, that makes him, to me, even more fucking ab- abominable and just awful. He's not a real person. Uh-huh. That's what it is. He's not, he's not a bad guy who just no, sort of. Like, he's, he's not like Josh from James Bond with Steel Teeth and not real. He's a yeah. real. Oh, then that is just something you see. He's a human person existed. He's a human person, yeah. you know, he's got a family there, yeah. and you see him like, you're doing this when you get your, you're doing your daughter and things like that. And to tell that, it's a really brave thing to do because it could have backfired people going, like, are you trying to humanise Nazis in some way? Yeah. And he's ultimately not. He's, not yeah. he's actually these were inherently evil. Evil yeah. people, um, 
equally, he also shows a sort of a darker side to, to the Schindler guy as well. You know, sort of like obviously he's done so much good, but in a many ways he's complicit to begin with. You know, he's, he's not. He had to see some. He saw something that made him change, but. I thought he, he was not quick. Yeah, that, that was not his model. Ah, yeah, his model was to make money. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what it was, you know, so, yeah. The, the only thing is, because I remember after watching it, um, which again is always a good thing in a movie, makes you kind of research it. And I think reading, like, it was, I mean, the, the kind of families said that it was really accurate and his portrayal of Schindler was amazing. But I think the end bit with the buttons and stuff was tagged on, and that feels quite maybe hand fisted. That's the only thing I've had that movie is that is. Half distance because it is it's a it's a fictional scene. You're you're not right. Um, you're, you're not you're not wrong. Sorry, mm. but um, to me this scene works. Yeah. I, you mean you mean you mean the rock to the grave basically when he walked by his grave? No, no, but he's kind of he's purely buttons. You know what that Right. Okay. I understand. I mean, Spielberg, yeah. Spielberg has done that in the past, you know, but he has been sort of. He does try and have these moments that they don't fit quite with it. Yeah. That he wants in for somebody that has emotional response to it. Um, I think it still works, and I think it's not oh, enough. Yeah, it's it, not it, it doesn't take away from the film. From the message. Yeah. It's not fun, it doesn't. Yeah. And I guess. I suppose it's, is, is it his most personal movie? I think. Without, I think all these films are obviously a huge bit of personal. Any job of family is a massive personal thing to Spielberg, but I think. I think he knew what it meant when he was making it. Yeah. I think he knew what it meant not only to him but to his family, to the whole Jewish family and the whole you know the community. In general, this was something that had to be done right, yeah. and it could have been done so badly wrong. But it was it, 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 the fact that we're still talking about this like, you know this so long after it, and the fact that people still reference it and people still talk about you know that sort of filmmaking, and the fact even just something as simple as a red jacket can just bring you to utter tears because of it, you know, is the power of that film. I think it. Do it. It seems like it should be made compulsory viewing for school. I think I, I, I think that's what was in seems, school. It seems like it's that, yeah. that, that, you know, kids need to watch this film, they need to understand yeah. this film and, and what, what it done to the world, what happened, uh. what the aftermath is, and, you know, yeah. what's still happening now. But. And like I said, and like I said, the humanity that film brings to the, the pure evil is something really important because it, it shows that evil isn't faceless. It's not a fucking dragon that comes out, you know, or a fucking demon face. Yeah, it's, it's a real person, it's a real human yeah. people. Yeah, man, the, uh, the fucking the, the, the person behind that evil. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, in the same year, in fact, I felt like you can't believe how opposite it is to it. And it's the first film I can remember seeing in the cinema that I just was utterly blown away by. It's not the first film I saw in the cinema, but it's the, thing, it's the second film I saw in the cinema. And um, that's Jurassic Park. Jurassic. Which is just beyond phenomenal, just of pure filmmaking. It's just pure popcorn filmmaking. It is the absolutely. Yeah. It, nothing. That film still holds up today. But do, do you know what's always got me about that? I don't know if you're a beer mob, but for the first forty-five minutes, it is boring. It's, it's slow, and it just builds and builds and slow and it's slow. And then it puts these dinosaurs up with skin and everything you thought. I would about. say, I would say, if, not for. I'm not thinking boring, but like. The moment you see the Brachiosaurus, yeah. that's, that's about twenty minutes. That's about twenty minutes into the film. Longer, maybe. I no, it's twenty minutes. Is it? It goes longer. <laughs> <laughs> Emphasise the point. Yeah. Twenty minutes of the film, you see the Brachiosaurus. Yeah. That is what we like, like, like. That is real. That exists. Yeah. There's nothing in my mind that's not shot for real. Yeah, I, 
Of course it is. Um, it's like the, the Rex attack is still one of the best pieces of cinema I've ever seen. Yeah. I've seen the, every time I've seen everything I watched it on DVD. I remember, I remember as a kid being both terrified by it and just utterly I like could not tear myself away from it. <laughs> but this it is the most amazing thing ever. Um, I think this is the film that probably made me fall in love with not only Spielberg but the cinema in general. Yeah. This is a film that grabbed me. This is a film that just made me like, holy shit, this is something insane. I want to be involved in this. I want to watch yeah. all of this. Anything that's, anything that's, that's like this, I want to keep watching it over and over and over again. It is a special film. It is. We, we talk about it often, and even on the show often, but even now, nothing touches those effects. No, it doesn't, and that's insane about it. Do you, you know, Jurassic World's coming out now, and still, <laughs> it's like, Jurassic Park's better. Ah. It just... It, it, it did, I mean, it, it just everyone raved about the effects back, yeah. back when it came out and it was just, you know, it was never used, it was on the news. It's a, an absolute phenomenon. Yeah, it's just, um, it brought dinosaurs to life. It literally did bring dinosaurs to life. And if you look at the, the budget, the, not the budget, the, the um, box office for that film, I think it was number one that year, obviously. But number two was about a third of what this film was. Yeah. It was phenomenal, it was like, it was beyond massive, you know, it's like everybody saw this film. Yeah. And I remember watching it, I remember not only watching it but like I remember I was only about 8 years old when this came out and I remember my mum and dad had to go and buy me the video for it like when it came out in VHS they were forced to go and get me the VHS of it and I watched the damn thing until it wore away to nothing and then I got another one and I walked that, and I walked that one away until it was absolutely nothing and then I got the DVD and it probably DVD has been worn away to nothing as well um, so yeah I, like, nothing I, I adore Jurassic Park I mean, for part. me like if, if scientists did manage to do that and dinosaurs did look like that I'd be like nah you've got it wrong you know you, you spill my friend you just I've been there oh dinosaurs were actually um, covered in feathers I'm going fuck you I don't care Jurassic Park they're the reptiles I'm going Jurassic Park me and me Stephen Moby yeah Spielberg I'm going to go Spielberg and that to me is like Spielberg what he can do he, he can be the historical filmmaker he can be the guy who can make films that have a, a cultural impact like sort of um, you know and make political points but he also can do shit like this which is just like just will blow everyone's mind away people will watch I'll show my kids he gives, it he gives you fucking dinosaurs yeah so that's what he's done he's written fucking dinosaurs yeah you believe me you're like yeah of course yeah um, up next after that there's a four year gap took a, took a bit of time off obviously doing two films in the same space of, like yeah, a year obviously took a, took a toll on him yep um, so he come back with a, a similar sequel which was The Lost World Jurassic Park which I enjoy <coughs> immensely I know it gets a lot of shit it does, I like it a lot. I like it a lot, it's got the best window break you've seen ever. Terrified you, you're this, yes. They do things, the window break scenes are just like, so, well, yeah. you go beat in the one, that is just there. Yeah. Um, the, the T-Rex is back. Yes, it's back. Jeff Goldblum's back. back but I love Pete Postlewaite in it. Pete Postlewaite is fucking beautiful. And he was, Spielberg said he was like the best actor. He's, he's the best actor I've ever worked with. He was yeah, absolutely. Like, well, you know, no, no one touches no, him. Touch, yeah, just for, yeah. for pure performance and ability, he said that nothing could touch him. Yeah, and he was great. And he, he was yeah. I also like the fact that it's got two characters named after a Warren Zevon song. They've got um, a guy called Roland, who is named after Roland the Headless Horseman. Head, headless, uh, headless Gunman. Right. Um, and there's also somebody else. Who's named after a, a Warren Zeffelin song and it's always had like I was like, oh I like that, that's cool. I only found out later on in life, but I was like, that's really cool that he's done it for that. I think I'm assuming the great like, I think it's interesting, he didn't write a lot of his stuff, Spielberg, you know, he's not a writer, he's, he's, he's a director. Director, yeah. You know, he wrote Close Encounters, but apart there's a bit of controversy about actually how much he actually wrote Close Encounters. Right. Um, most of the stuff he's not writing it, you know, he's very much uh, So did they have any writing on this at all? No, not at all. Just direct he, he obviously will be involved in the crafting of a script, you know, he'll be very yeah. heavily involved in that. But yeah, um, same idea. Lost World, again, it, is, it does feel very much like a sequel. 
Yeah. They're trying to recapture magic that maybe it's tough to recapture. Yeah. But as a film, it's not a fun, fun film. It's just, it moves. It, it probably moves faster than the first one because we know there's dinosaurs. Oh, so yeah. there's none of the issue of 20 or whatever, you know, here's what done. It's like, there's fucking dinosaurs, go. Yeah, yeah, try and get and to me for the first one. Just, it just moves. Um, it, Gives you so much more of the raptors, which is really yeah. The raptors are fucking amazing. I mean, I've actually seen the raptors and the the, 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 the tall grass. Yeah, that is yeah. like oh, amazing. It's like jaws, but with raptors. With raptors, yeah. It's like fucking hell, yeah. Man. Yeah. It's just a possible place in it. Jeff Goldblum's in it. Um, what are them? This one's up. No. Dylan, Dylan Neal in this one. They're actually pretty much. They both pop up number three, but that's yeah. he, that wasn't that was Chris Columbus, right? Number three was Spielberg. It was Spielberg. Yeah. But no, I, I can't. I suppose. People are assholes and they, they set high expectations in the movie before, but half of it is a popcorn thing. Perfect, certainly. Absolutely. I'm a back. We are now refreshed and fed, Colin. You're feeling better? Feeling better. Um, we had some, some food and some desserts. We are feeling good. My tummy's feeling good. My feeling very stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked about for a long time. We need to get some, just some energy back some, again. Some substance. So, um, so, um, Richard had, because um, over here in Bonnie Scotland, for listeners who are not from her part of the world, it's, um, it's St Andrew's Day? No, it's not, it's Burns Night. Damn it, Burns Night. Fucking two famous Scots. And you went to the wrong yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Andrew's not as a Scottish, he was actually, you know, like probably Israeli or something, you know. So, uh, Burns Night, so yeah, Robbie Burns was a very, 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 very famous Scots poet. Uh, and, and people who wrote Burns this calling, I think. What do we know? Robert Burns is known the world over. Who's it? Absolutely. Right, okay, well, it's Burns Night. It's Burns Night, so I had haggis. I, I know, yeah, Richard had haggis, and I've had a pint of tenants. You were a pint of tenants. <laughs> I'm still on the, um, another, another pint of Coast to Coast, yeah. but <laughs> Colin got a free tenants, so I he's enjoying it. Which is why we're drinking the tenants, it's free. Usually we wouldn't. We're partaking the tenants, but because it's free, you have to say yes to it. Yeah, yeah, so, so we're feeling both. Perky refreshed and ready to carry on with Mr. Spielberg's yep. um, biography, so moving on from Jurassic Park and Lost World to... To so the same, same year, 1997, we're going to Amistad. Which I've never actually fucking heard of. What is Amistad? Amistad is a story of the slave ship that um, basically the people on it um, challenged the American government that they are not property, they are people. And it's the story of the court case of that and a lawyer getting involved with this and it's basically like the, 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 the effort to prove that these are actual people and not just people to be when used. When did this happen? When I, I, I think they're talking... Well, it's America's founded by this point, so it's in America. It's America's actually a country, it's not like it's not um, part of the colonies. I'm going to say like 1830, 1840, something around those times, maybe around that time. Okay. And you've got Woody Harrelson, you've got Matthew McConaughey. You've also got Anthony Hopkins, I believe, in it as well. You've got uh, Digimon Houston, the, the guy from Gladiators, in it as well. Um, and also Guardians of the Galaxy for yourself. No, Digimon Houston. <laughs> um, it's, again, it's just a little bit from the colour purple. It's a white man's perception of the slave trade. Right. He focuses on the only white character in the film, which is Matthew McConaughey's lawyer character, okay. rather than kind of going with the 12 Year Slave idea of, of focusing on the slave aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it almost felt like he felt compelled after doing the Schindler's List movie about you know the, the Holocaust and, and the horrible the horrors of that. Looking at the world history, the probably the money most other most ugly and nasty aspect of recent history, the slave trade, and, and with that he, he took on that. I think it's a fine film. It's a, it's it's um, 
historical Spielberg, he's still really chewing his teeth a little bit on this and trying to figure out what he wants to do with it. You know, he this was a, a different, different beast. You can see where he gets the idea for other films later on in his career. The sort of the, the gestation of it is in is in this. Right. Um, I think right. So so I'm considering myself quite reversed in, in cinema and uh, Spielberg as well. And I, I've never heard of this. I think it was successful in the sense, I think it's successful-ish, it's, it is, after Jurassic Park and The Lost World, it's certainly a different movie, it's not, yeah, a, it's not, sure, a, pop, yeah, yeah. It's not a popcorn movie, uh-huh. it is more in tune with his, like, his Lincolns or his Bridge of Spies, it's more in that world, right. which had a certain audience maybe, at the time the Spielberg fan base wasn't willing to go there, you know, they weren't, weren't old enough to go with that, but mm. as a film, like, it's, a, it's a fine historical movie, it tells a very interesting story, and I think the important thing about a film, like a historical film like that, is it makes you want to go and learn more. Right. Yeah. And I definitely, when I was when I was a kid, I saw when I was maybe about 12, 13, I went up and read up about stuff like that. I'm certainly not in my head right now, but I did go and read up a bit a few times and like try and try and understand it further. And I think that's if they, if, that, if if his historical films do that, that's a great thing. Well, any film that makes you want to learn more about it is always yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So he's um, a guy who's obviously learned about. Uh, he uses this as a sort of printing point to hopefully get an audience to go and learn stuff. Okay. And, and I definitely really enjoyed it for that aspect of it. Right. Oh, you are something? Kind of surprised at myself that I've never. It's not even on my radar at all. Not at all? No fucking knowledge of this movie exists. It is one of these, it's definitely lesser known Spielberg. Yeah. Absolutely. It's definitely one of the films you go, oh, I didn't realise it was Spielberg, yeah. but definitely worth a watch. Okay, yeah. so after this, um, before you into the, the slave trade, where did Mr. We went back to World War II, um, oh. saving Private Ryan. Which, yeah. Have you not seen it yet? Yes, I have. You have seen it now? Yeah. Um, I've seen it a few times. It is a definitive war movie for me. It's the one that I um, probably most gravitate towards. The opening 20 minutes. Opening half hour is, is just fucking one of the cinema. It's stunning, tele- yeah. stunning cinema. Absolutely I, I stunning. I think it's only a film Gives you a sense of you know, what it would have been like. I'm, I'm going to, I, I don't think it's like I don't think it's anything like it was like to be there because it's obviously you're watching. Yeah, but, but there is a closest there, to the closest you can get to without actually being there. Yes. Yeah, shot yeah absolutely. Shot, yeah. It is a raw, just a brutal assault on the senses. The first half hour, you don't know where to look, and that's yeah. it, that's the point of it. Yeah. You know, everyone just spinning. You know, people just get knocked you're left, just, right. Yeah, you're confused. People dying. Just you're thrown into a war. Yeah, exactly. You're literally dropped middle of a war. Yeah. Um, and it just it's Spielberg at his real chaotic best and the film itself perhaps does suffer slightly for the rest of it after yeah. it, standing up there has some like the, the scene with the sniper is great I love the scene with the sniper the scene after they kill the boys at the radar tower and you get a bit with Tom Hanks giving his um, speech of what a job he did after yeah. to me Hanks is the finest moment in film I guess it's yeah. absolutely phenomenally good and the attack on the, the final city when they're trying to defend the um, the, the, the the bridge mm-hmm. again it's brilliant but it is it's not nice. quite at the same level as the opening but for me it's a, it's a great war movie and it's also a really big ensemble cast there as well oh huge cast like everyone's yeah I mean it's got a cast of like Around, but it's like the people in it, you know, you've got guys who. I mean, it's a who's who's cast as well, though, there's a big name. Well, you got, also, Hank's mm-hmm. leading the day, you've got like Matt Damon in the, the pivot, the like, signature role. You've also got guys like um, 
Diesel's, he's not, 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 you know, it's it's a really it's a great cast. Ed Danson, Paul yeah. Giamatti pops yeah, up in it as well. You know, it's, it's, it's that's good, yeah. But I think that's the whole point of the, having Tom Hanks in it. Of course, Tom Hanks is not a soldier. Yeah. But World War Two wasn't fought by soldiers. It was. It was fought by like yeah. normal men. Yeah. yeah it's not fought by your average. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, really, really good movie. Um, how much of a statement does he make about war? I mean, what's he trying to say, do you think? I don't think he's trying to say anything. It's, yeah. it's shown the horror of war. It's shown that war happens. It's shown that in most like something good things can happen. But it's shown so much muck and so much mud that you just you don't see it. Um, I don't think it's any. It's not in any way pro war. Yeah. You know, it opens with the shots of the the graves in Normandy. Yeah. And you're perfectly aware of everyone's is on a a, a a leash of like they could be taken out at any moment. So, possibly? I don't think so. I, I would disagree. I disagree. No. You could you could really argue it doesn't show any other countries involved in it. But I mean that's six and one half. American filmmaker making the American American film. Yeah, you know, and he's showing, and he's showing. He's not saying that no other stories happen in this film. He's just saying this is my story. I'm telling you, know, so that's the difference. Um, and quite importantly, it, it kind of it was the first first footprint, the first step, which probably led to Band of Brothers as well. Absolutely, yes. You know, that's kind of where you can see the natural emotion, so... Which is by far probably the best TV show on TV in the past 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it gets you that as well. But yeah, it it is definitely, you know, one... one that is developed, (laughs) for sure. On from that, um, 2001 was AI, Artificial Intelligence. Have you seen this one? Yeah. Um, I like the idea. Based on a Stanley Kubrick yeah, um, idea. I, I like it more than most critics seem to It seems to get shot on a lot. It does, yeah. Um, I thought it was quite a lot of heart to it. Um, and it's funny, people, people give a shit for it as the ending, that it's too schmaltzy, and it's very Spielbergian, when in reality that was actually um, Kubrick's, Kubrick's ending. Well, even if it was, it's like, yeah, he's Spielberg, that's why. It was fucking stupid. I mean, yeah. you go to Spielberg <coughs> more about Spielberg ending than why in a fucking school yeah but probably it's not a Spielberg it's Kubrick's ending it's Kubrick's ending anyway yeah, yeah. and but it does feel like the film a bit that lacks a Spielberg stamp to an extent it does feel like he's trying to ape Kubrick in times you know which is nothing wrong with that is it also because he's got characters that aren't human though do you know what I mean it's like, cause he, 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 as I've said earlier on he's, he, he does in humanity yeah so you've got this bunch of robots you know that aren't fucking humans yep but then, when you look away, this would you do low characters and stuff like that? You can do a lot of it, yeah. I, I mean, AI, I think, is a really, it's an underappreciated gem of filming. It's, it's really clever, really smart, and maybe, if anything, it's going to be too close to its own good. At times, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. um, And also had our favourite child actor in it, which is face. Yeah, Joe Osmond. Yeah. Is he your favourite child actor? One of them, yeah. One of them. <laughs> I like him in the sixth sense, and I appreciate now how he's turned out, because he's... What's he turned out like? He's in Tusk. He is in Tusk, yeah, yeah I know that, yeah. He's yeah. not quite... 
how you'd thought he'd have been in 20 years. He looks, no, he looks like the kid but with a fatter face, that's what he looks like. He yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he look I'm trying to be really polite and diplomatic, yeah. and, you know, general about this, you just don't know he's a fat kid. He's a fat kid, he's a fat, he's a fat, fat man child. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, on from AI, continue with the future theme with um, Minority Report. Starring, of course, everyone's favourite Tom. Tom Cruise. It's his first film with Tom Cruise, so they finally... Uh, and now it's got to say Cruz Spielberg in the same yeah. sentence. It's based on a Philip K. Dick novel about precogs predicting crime yeah. is going to happen. And Tom Cruise leads a, a police force to go and investigate those crimes or stop those crimes from happening. Yeah. But one time it happens that he's going to be the next killer and he basically breaks away from it. And he's got like maybe a day or so to try and figure out exactly what's what's going on. What's why he's been set up. Yeah. A film of amazing ideas. Really, really good ideas. And ideas that have seemed to be becoming more and more real as the world goes on. Steadily, yeah. Some of the technology in the film, you go, that is pretty much where we're at right yeah, now. Yeah, we're, we're here with some of this shit. Oh. Sp- did Spielberg write it? No, Phil Kiddick wrote it. Right, so Spielberg's just... Because Dick wrote it, I'd rather be extra small. Small, no, it's, it's expanding out it's something fine. big, yes, definitely, yeah. Um, it's, quite, it's quite a fast-paced movie, isn't it? Most definitely, yeah, it moves it. It goes, yeah, yeah. it doesn't... It doesn't kind of labour sci-fi dwells, it's just like action. Yeah. And I guess Cruise is fucking action, and that's why. But no, I, I really, really like the audio report a lot. It's good film. Yeah, I like it a lot. I mean, the ending itself, that is one of the few films I'll say to do with Schmaltz-esque ending. Uh, what you say, what people give him a lot of shit for. I normally don't give him shit for it. This one has got any, I kind of go, uh and then, yeah, so it, it wraps up a little bit too nicely in the end. Yeah. There is a there is a version of the script over it's like a much it's got a more darker sort of less upbeat ending, which I think would have worked better for the film. But yeah. filmmaker makes his choices. This is what to go with. I'll go along with it. Again, really. yeah, that's what makes it Spielberg. Yeah, there is. Yeah, you know, take that ending away. And, At, is that a Spielberg movie? No, directors have tropes of what they want to do. That's that's the that's the film. Um, next film on the list is again a cracking, absolutely cracking film. Catch me if you can. Which I've only seen recently as well. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I yeah. Know. Um, it's DiCaprio playing Frank Abigail Jr., who is a basic con artist. He's like a 15 year old. A real life con artist. artist yeah. Who basically scammed Pan Am out of a lot of money and free flights and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually he's getting chased by Tom Hanks, who is like the sort of chief FBI investigator, and him trying to catch him. And it's sort of it's interesting because you see. Both of them are pretty alone because Abigail's alone because he can't tell her what he's doing. Yeah. He's living this really kind of high luxury life, and you get Tom Hanks just kind of playing a real kind of like down and out. He's kind of focused on one case at a time. Oh yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Chris, Chris Walken, was he the dad? Chris Walken's the dad. Martin Sheen in it as well. Yeah, yeah. You've, yep. you've um, got a really charming, charming film. And it's funny. It's really funny. It's yeah, it's very, very funny. Yeah. It's fun. Um, he and he had a real wheel of a time doing it. It's a shame they've not really worked much together since. since. You feel like you could be a good, be actually quite a good partnership, yeah. And of course, Hanks is Hanks. Is Hanks. He's new to you. I mean, they've got their own series about two years ago. Yep. And, and I've seen it back to back with the next one. Okay. So I'd seen them both. In the same. Okay. Nice one. Which was the terminal. The terminal. Which uh, I will say is the only Spielberg film that I. Genuinely, not going to say hate. I don't hate anything of my film, but I can honestly say I dislike to a degree. 
Right. I like that. Well, I thought Hanks was charming as hell. It felt very un to me, which I think is true. He was, he was always supposed to produce this film. Right. But then Grover Binsky dropped out. But everything was in place for it, so Spielberg stepped in and directed it. And I feel that it feels slightly rushed. It's not his film, maybe? Not his, definitely. It does not feel like his film. I enjoyed it. I thought it had lots of charm, and I thought you really grew to love the characters a lot. And um, it's kind of baseless on a true story as well, I believe. It? Yes, yeah, yes. It, it, Loosely, I mean, loosely based on true story, yeah. Um, and it had um, Tom Hanks as main man. Main man, yeah. And then Captain Zeta Jones was Yeah, so the, Tom Hanks' character is he basically. He's a, a he's a commuter on a, a flight into America. Yeah. By the time he lands in, in America, his country's been overthrown. Yeah, there's a coup in his country. So the country no longer exists. Yeah. So he's basically a stateless person. He yeah. he can't leave the airport because no one will actually stamp his passport. Yeah. And he can't go back because there is no country to go back to. So he lives in the airport. Yeah. And eventually, kind of. Befriends. Yeah. And becomes useful and helpful and you know starts to get out of his way and stuff like that. Yeah. And falls in love and stuff like that. It has got charm, but generally, it, it, I really it's the one I watch the least of any Spielberg film. Yeah, it really is the one I've, I'm just sort of I'm not cold on it. I'm just sort of a bit blah on it. Yeah. And it feels very much like, like I said, it, it's not his film. It feels if any Spielberg was directing for hire, I don't think he would ever do that. But it does seem to be sort of maybe just if any Spielberg's already been made, the, the plot. I think you'd always just like film and go right, okay. For Vince wanted this, I'm going to go with what he had in place already. Oh, okay. A bit of shame. I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's cool. Uh, I'm not excited about it. I'm just saying I didn't like it as much. It's, it's not your favourite. It's not my favourite one. Um, After that, you're done. <laughs> um, War of the Worlds. Which is one of our favourites. Yeah, a, yeah a definitely favourite of mine. I mean, it didn't go down particularly well with critics. I think, and audiences didn't really embrace it that well. But I think it's a fucking great movie for an alien invasion film. Again, it's, it's back with Cruise again. Um, and it just it kind of takes. It, it doesn't really change the original. It's probably more close to the original than. Original, but it's, it's, closer, it's closer to the book. Yeah. Than the actual fifties one, which yeah, um, so. there's a lot of stuff in the fifties one that's not in the book, and yeah. there's a lot. This has got a lot. It also relocated from like um, south, like south, London. south London area, yeah. or England, like south, like south, like Dutch Surrey area to America. to America. But the genuine story's still the same. You Absolutely. know, um, yeah. it moves the same pace. He's not got a family in the book. He's not got a wife and kid, um, two kids with him. But other than that, the story pretty much is spot on, and it it captures that tension in the. The foghorn of the... It's horrible. Uh, it's terrifying, isn't it? And, yeah, and he captures yeah. real fear when these people hear that. The, the scene on the um, the ferry, like, out towards... Like, uh, that is fucking scary yeah. as shit. That is some really terrifying stuff. you know bad shit's happening? Yeah. Also, a bit in the middle with Tim Robbins. Really good. Again, it felt a bit like... Like Jaws, you know, it takes this like big epic, you know, like big monster type thing that you sort of bother and it's this really quiet moment like, yeah. in a... In a basement, yeah, and you got that bit when the aliens are best, like sort of looking around the basement. You get the, the e camera working in, it's like that yeah, is just yeah, fucking yeah. So, I just, I get to just build that tension, you know, you just wait and wait for it, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. But this happens like these bastards. I know people really people people dislike the ending of the film, but the ending of the film is the, the book, you know, the aliens die because of illness and virus and disease, that's what that's kills them. Um, and I like the fact that a throwback to the, the, the parents. At the end of it, are the original people from World of Worlds in the 1950s? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm blanking on names right now, but that's the that's the main guys. Spielberg will do that. It shows he's a fan of film. He likes film. He enjoys film. He loves film, and because of that, he'll have little nods and hints to that, yeah. which we'll get to later on as well. Um, After that, 
Uh, same year, 2005, Munich. Which I've not seen. Munich is, about, uh, Munich is essentially it's, it's set after the Munich Olympics, yeah. where the Palestinians, Black Hand, I think, or something, black, something like that, black, black Hand terrorist group. I'm making it, I'm probably got that totally wrong. It's not, I know it's not Black Flag. You know, um, but Black Hand, I think it, it basically they, they um, take over the Olympic Village and they kill 14 Jewish, Jewish um, athletes and trainers. And essentially, the Israeli government under Mossad implement this sort of covert assassination squad to take out the, the architects of this terrorist attack. Um, Eric Banner plays like one of the, the chiefs of the, the squad they put together and it's it's like a really tense well done historical thriller so there's moments in it you know it's like when they've got the chance to kill somebody but the guy's daughter's there so they, they have a humanity to them and they also yeah. know that and they're taking and again they're taking people who <coughs> almost middlemen of, of evil and give them a humanity you go like are you evil you know if you just if you push a up if you if you hand off something to someone does that make you evil or not I don't really know and it's it gets so really involved in that. So again, it's a really interesting historical film. Um, Who else is in it? So you said you mentioned Eddie Banner. What's um, what's your other games in it? I've not seen it. I've never. Eddie Banner. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm pretty good with the casting actually. It's part of it is a shy away from historical shit. Um, I'm more kind of. I don't know. I tend not to think it's going to be boring, and I never watch it. No, I think it's definitely not. This is definitely not boring. It's, it's really Daniel Craig's in it as well. Sorry, that's another person's in it. Um, you also got. I think anybody else big massive was in it um, Kieran Hines is in it as well um, Jeffrey Rush pops up in it a little bit um, a lot of good German actors actually like he casts in the country he should be casting or, or really actors and I think yeah he casts where he should be casting he's going to put right. random person because they have to fill you know a studio um, at once is it interspared with, with real footage? Or not really, it? no. Um, the start and the finish, really, you get sort of a wee bit about that. Um, but it's not like intercut in any way, the sort of that kind of stuff. But um, no, it's a, again, really tense film. Um, it doesn't, probably what I want to people ultimately assume it's a Spielberg movie. Yeah. But I think, it's a, I think it's a crackingly good film. It's a really clever, well done film. If you like stuff like Argo, I seem to enjoy that. Yeah, it's, it's on that kind of level of just real tension. You know, you just want to know what's going to go on. Um, after that is the fourth instalment of the Indiana Jones back in 2008 which is called Crystal Skull which I've, I've not seen through fear it's going to kill my love of Indiana Jones it won't people gave it a lot of shit okay and there are moments in it where it deserves a lot of shit yeah but for about let's say an hour and a half it's shit tons of fun yeah. Then the final half hour, I won't lie, it it gets fucked up. It, it, it loses its, it loses its tail. But for about an hour and a half, shit tons of fun. I really enjoyed it. So I would definitely say definitely worth watching that respect. Is sports too old for it? No, because they make a play on that and they actually work with that within that. Um, so they're aware of it or like you know. Absolutely, and they actually determine the noise that they're doing with it. So yeah, it works still well. And Charlie Buck most of the shit for you. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, they're, they're almost trying to ham fist a new in the end with him. Was he that bad? No. Or was it? No. He was. No. Just a poor cool guy. Yeah. For people yeah, people give it shit. Against, people yeah. give it shit for the ending, right? Yeah. The ending of the first one is biblical nonsense. 
Yeah. And the second one is voodoo bullshit. And the third one, end of it, is again biblical nonsense. So I mean, to have an ending about this one, it's like sort of sci-fi nonsense. I'm like, oh fuck, it's all nonsense. Yeah, you've had nonsense. Yeah. So why? And again, do you think it's just a generation of forty somethings thinking, oh, we love this, you've done this, we don't like it, and this isn't for you. It's for absolutely yes, absolutely. But I, I still really enjoy it. There's moments of real fun and, and enjoyment in it as well. So, so would say, you recommend that I watch it? I reckon you can watch it. Okay. Okay, definitely watch it. Right. Um, after that, we've got Warhorse. Which I've seen Benedict Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch, a lot of other British actors in it as well. I think it's uh, Peter Mullins put on the panel, actually. Um, despite what some people think, and my mate and Stu is one of the people who think, the boy is not trying to fuck the horse. He does have a very interesting relationship with the horse, but I do not believe he's trying to fuck the horse. Oh, it could be. It, it, a, I don't think so, but there are people who may think he want to have sex with the horse. Is this quite a, a kind of broad consensus? I believe people, my dad thought it, and Stuart thought it, people who, other than the spectrum of the film viewing, but they both believe the, man, the boy wanted to fuck the horse. So it's a film of bestiality? <laughs> Not quite. Um, it's basically, it's a World War II, World War I horse is getting drafted into the, the, sort of the, the conflict, and this boy who loves his horse wants to go along with it and wants to take care of it. It's... I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it. I thought it was a brave film to make. Um, again, it, it captures the horror of war really well. Um, some of the sort of overly romanticised parts of it and the sort of maybe the sort of smallest bits of it come across a little bit weaker in this one to an extent. But still, it compared to everything else that's out there, it's still it's still excellent. It's still really good. Does he finger the horse? He does not finger. No, there's no horse fuckery going on in this film. There may be a horse cock shot somewhere, but other than that, not much else. Um, after I, that, I don't think I want to see it. So fair enough. Nah. I give you a DVD if you want it. Um, <laughs> after that, is a film grossly underrated, and I think it's a cracking movie. It's Tintin: Secret of the Unicorn. I love Tintin. I fucking movie. love Tintin as well. They're making the next ones are under introduction just now. Tintin in uh, red something. Maybe. Oh, is it? That's good. I'm, I'm pleased with that. There's a two minute and fifteen minutes ones. Just get done. Oh, I'm happy with that. I like it. I can't remember what it's called, it's Tintin and some, obviously Tintin and some, yeah. it's an old fucking Tintin and some. Yeah, it's just kind of good done. And I, I loved that one as well, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Jamie Bell. I thought it was a great Tintin. Yep, and uh, who played Captain Haddock? Captain Haddock was... Simon Pegg? No, he was Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost were the... Thompson Twins. Thompson Twins. Was it not Andy Serkis? Andy Serkis, it was Serkis. Uh, both of them are back for the next one. Nice one. Yeah, so... Written by Edgar Wright as well. And um, the guy who wrote. I can't remember the guy's name, is it? I think the output of was the animation style. It was, uh, but I think it worked for the film. Definitely. Um, once you set into it after a few minutes, give it time and you know, you're like, it's okay, but I think people just straight away will let like it. Not for you? Never Not for some people, but I liked no, it. I thought I it was enjoyed it immensely. Really, really fun. Yeah. Um, 2012. Um, I mean, I play Matchbox 20 in this place, nice. Um, Lincoln. Is this a sci-fi movie or something? Lincoln, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, it could be in the sense that I think Daniel went back in time, studied Lincoln and then came forward in time. Okay. And came Lincoln. I mean, I'm not... Daniel could be Lincoln. Did he get an Oscar for it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, deservedly so. Yeah. Um, again, historical Spielberg telling really interesting stories of a man who everyone knows but maybe doesn't really know. Everyone, yeah, you know the name, you know what he done, but 
Uh, do you know the man? Uh, Beyond, you know, he, he partly freed the slaves, won yeah. the Civil War, and then got shot in a theatre. That's it, yeah. There's, there's so much more to him than that. So, does this give you, from, from, from a child up to an adult? No, it's more... Have you seen it before, you know? No, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> it's more, it goes from... I believe he's getting just out just before the start of the Civil War up until the point he gets shot. Right. You're talking about four or five years in this in this lifespan. I take it it goes on for a while. It's a good two and a half hour film. Yeah. But again, a great cast. Um you got like guys like George Gordon Levitt pop in it up in it. Um just really well done. A really well done film. Looks apart, feels important again. Doesn't panic its audience again as well. You know, it 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 it'll drop stuff into the film you go like oh shit what does that mean you go like well it's important you realise it's important you want to find out more about this go and find out yeah Um, but yeah really really good film Um, I'm not going to I saw the programme again not going to go see it it's not my thing so I'll probably never bother Mars to see it and that's maybe ignorant of me but it is ignorant of you unless you put Lincoln in space then you know after that another story you made him a bad bit you like that one yeah Um. After that, the next one he'd done was in 2015, it was British Spies. Which was fucking great. A great film. I enjoyed that a lot. Really under radar again, no one really, it didn't really get big, much of a release unfortunately. Yeah. But it didn't it felt like almost underserved. Yeah, but then the boy picked up an Oscar. got an Oscar yeah. for it, deservedly yeah. so. I mean, I know people wanted Rocky to win it, yeah. but yeah. fucking Rocky, he wasn't really doing that great a role. Violence was. Owned so that role. Um, just a beautiful story about. It's a subtle story. You know, yeah. it's taken a very simple, like, it's something big. But bonded to like just two, three men. And again, Tom Hanks, um, solid roles. Always, always. People don't know it's a story about basically a, a Cold War story about a guy who gets captured yeah. as a spy and yeah. basically the American government want to just try him as a spy, execute him, and that's it. Yeah. And Hanks steps in as a lawyer and says that every man's entitled to a yeah. trial. Yeah. That's the whole point. Everyone should be entitled to. You know that, that kind of thing. They try to negotiate the actual trial, and it's yeah. it's, a, it's a really it tells an important story. Particularly now in this day and age, when it seems like you know politics are getting is pushing even further, and the government trying to infringe even more. This 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 seems important. You know, that some people, good men, will still stand up and be counted. Yeah, and Hanks plays the part beautifully. Yeah, and violence is fucking amazing. So he's just yeah. you believe him every time he's on screen. Just every action yeah. is just carefully rated. And it, it's a film that feels cold as well because it is cold in fucking Berlin. Yeah, yeah, because they they're doing an exchange at one point. Uh-huh. They're yeah. swapping the spy for someone else. Yeah, someone taking down the as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's quite tense. Well, the men that that kind of oh, really tense. Minutes. Yeah. It kind of builds up towards it. Because it's, it's not action based, it's yeah. slow. I mean, just to get this tension in the last 15 minutes and then you know, you're kind of safe again. Probably about as well, you get the bit with um, at the end of it when like Hanks and the big court case finally comes to conclusion. Hanks just goes home. Yeah, he's done my job. I'm, you know, I'm normal man. He's not yeah. he's not a hero, he's, he's a normal guy. I'm doing my job, I'm doing, yeah. my, I'm doing what should be done, and I'm doing the right thing. And that, again, I get like people does that a lot, you know, it's, it's the everyday man yeah. in the extraordinary circumstance. You know, Jaws has got that, Cliff Counter has got that. Maybe not raiders and stuff like that, but someone he, doing their job. You know, uh-huh. Why are you doing it? Because it's my fucking. It's job. what the right person, yeah, what, the person yeah. what a person should do. Yeah, yeah. And after that, the most recent movie, which was the BFG. Uh, the big friendly. Yep. Yeah. 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 Big friendly. 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 Big Quite capture the magic of it. I, I 
don't disagree with you, but I still really enjoyed the film. The CGI was weird. I mean, I, I'd never quite believed. I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I agree with you on that aspect. Yeah, the, the, it felt it was it wasn't cartoony enough to be a cartoon, but it wasn't realistic enough to be real in a way. Yeah. But it, really funny, nice moments in it. Really good. That stuff with that was excellent. Yeah. Quite charming, quite lovely, quite funny stuff with that. But I think I've read the book with my kids, and I've seen the original. I kind of animated BFG as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I just think I think it was mainly the animation, the CGI. I never felt like it was up there. It should have been. I was watching a real character. Always felt I was watching a CGI character. It feels like a good family film again to me. Yeah, kids loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, like, it's aimed at kids, and I think kids will love that film, and I think it will continue to be enjoyed by audiences again and again and again. Um, I really liked it. But again, it shows you just how diverse it is. Like, oh. He's went from like Lincoln, Bridge of Spies, BFG. Oh. And it's just so what the fuck? You, you know, you just, we'll just kind of do that. And again, it's just, he's a filmmaker for everyone. Oh. So you go, okay, that last one wasn't for you. There you go. And, and it just keeps doing that. So that's up to now. We'll talk about the news, the news one later in a minute. Okay. All the ones we've talked about today, so far, what's your favourite? What, what's top three? Go top three. Top the um, oh. Raiders. Raiders number one. Raiders, possibly number one. Um, probably Jaws. Jaws. Um, and then maybe Always. It's a nice choice. I mean, Always is good. I would go uh, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Shame Fire Ryan. Yeah. Just straight off. The least favourite I think I'll talk about is the Terminal. A few I've not seen, but my least favourite. Um, oh, actually, maybe the BFG. Maybe your least favourite. Yeah. Not again. Even your least favourite is not uh, a bad movie. Still, yeah, exactly. It's still, you still watch. If you rank anything from top to bottom, you always need to find one at the bottom, I, even though it's not bad. You come out feeling cheap, no, no, that's the thing. It's some really lovely moments, yeah. But I can't understand oh, that. Uh, can, can okay. Least favourite. Uh huh. Is. Oh, shut up. Okay. Um, which is called The Post. This is his newest film. It's out this, like, just recently. Just now. Uh, it's his first film of 2017, or 2018, sorry. There'll be two films this year of Mrs. Spielberg. We'll get Ready Player One coming up in, I think, a couple of months actually. It's like the start of the year. It's coming yeah. out. Yeah, it's quite soon. Anyway, The Post is the story of the new people of the Washington Post who, at the height, or towards the end of the Vietnam War, basically, and they want to try and expose how the, the the government lied about the actual war. The events the war in the war to prevent the war, to prevent the war lasting as long as, yeah. as it did. Um, background to it is that the New York Times is constantly getting breaking these big stories. Yeah. Washington Post is, more, is, a, is, is a sort of a small time paper compared to them. Yeah. It's by much like a kind of city paper. Yeah. Um, but they get a bit, a bit jealous of what this happening. So the New York Times basically gets told they can already publish some of the stories about the Vietnam War. Yeah, they come across some papers. Uh, papers. Uh, or given papers. Some of the smuggled papers. I think yeah, given them. Um, yeah. And then they get shut down by the, the courts and they can't publish anything. So the Washington Post then wants to discover this information. They can start publishing instead. Uh, background to that is also you've got Meryl Streep playing the owner of the newspaper who's trying to float it publicly and make more money so they will survive. Yep. Um, and something like this, if the people goes to court or anything like that, could essentially scare off investors and shut down the paper forever and there'd be no paper at all. Like I said, cast, Meryl Streep plays the, the owner of the Post. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks plays the editor. 
Uh, you've also got Bob Odenkirk who plays like sort of one of the main reporters. Yeah. You've got Bradley Whitford playing a really bastard see like sort of like board member. Yeah. White haired guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah Paulson for the thing is thing is unfortunately not. Yeah. Um, you've also got David Cross, the guy from Rest Development, playing yeah. a coach in a really horrendous wig, but he yeah. seems to own it really well. Um, we'll go with you first. I feel your your thoughts are different to mine. So in your big boy world, Paul, and don't be just shouting and swearing. I won't. What do you think of this one? Dull, completely boring, and just devoid of any any excitement or, or care. Or just it was just who cares? What was the point? Um, Street Heart was just. She was in Margaret Thatcher mode again. What, sorry, she did it. Um, Hanks, I love Hanks to bits, but with this character, I don't know, it, it was some bumbling fool character. I, I honestly don't know what he was channeling, but it was dreadful. Um, it was honestly two hours of complete nonsense. I, it, it, without, honestly, straight up, without a lie, I got to a point about an hour in where I thought I could maybe just kind of lean on the rain shoulder and nod off and maybe no one would care. That was so. It was just pure tight from start to finish. It was just boring as hell, and it just didn't feel relevant to me in any way. I just there was no connection at all. Interesting. Did Lorraine like it? She she gave. Well, well, I'll kind of jump. I'll skip ahead, right? Just to give you a perspective. I gave it a generous two out of ten. That's ridiculous. Lorraine gave it a seven. Okay. Right, so that's that's kind of well. Yeah. yeah. She, she liked it. I just thought it was just utter trite, boring, boring trite. And as I said, I've not no swear words in at all. No. I was constructing. Any point? Yeah. I will disagree with everything you said. I know you will. Um, <laughs> to say that the film is not relevant is like one of the most ridiculous things I've ever said. That you've ever said. It's not. It is. How? It's a warning shot across the bow of every journalist and piece of press right now. Thirty-five years ago. No, it's not. It's trying. It's, it's showing you that the, a journalist and a new girl should step up and should challenge a government. The whole, the final fucking speech in the film when he said a government, um, a, the the press is not for the government, it's for the government. That's the point. It's like the, the press is supposed to speak for the people and it's supposed to challenge the government, and that's what these people did. Everyone knows this. So no people, people. You, you think people know? People, you think people know? People don't know this right now. And journalism became something. Journalism, journalism became now clickbait. Where you want you to look at lists of films or lists of like, oh my god, five things you didn't know about this person. And actual genuine journalism, journalism is dead. And this film gets the heart of what good journalism can do. Good journalism, good journalism can shut down a government. Good journalism can get a president to resign. And that's what this film's about. And that's what this film shows to me. Yeah, and I absolutely want it. I, it, it to me, it's, it's, it's in the same way all the presidents men, which I absolutely love. And this film feels like a, a, in fact, it is a prequel to this film because the actual end shots of this film are the opening shots to all the presidents men, yeah. which I thought was a brilliant touch. Which we showed how geeky and brilliant he is. Yeah. Um, I thought Hanks got the role perfectly. He's, he's, a, he's a grizzled, kind of beaten down editor who doesn't. Feel like he, he feel like he wants. He ha, feel like he has a purpose. Doesn't really know what it is right now, but he wants to make a difference. And this is a, and this opportunity basically it literally falls in his lap to make a difference, and he goes for it. Meryl Streep again for eighty percent of the film, she plays this beaten down woman who doesn't really know how to deal with a, a, a boardroom. Every person in the boardroom absolutely condescends to her unbelievably, and she does really nothing in that to to, to beat that away. 
But in the final, you want she actually finds an inner strength and courage because she knows what she's doing is the right thing and what is important to do. And, and from that, the strength comes out in the character. And I, I don't know why you couldn't enjoy it. It's, it's a beautifully well done film. It's just no. I think nothing happened for like two fucking hours. Everything happened. The best part of that film was the trailers before it. No, it's not. Even it that film is a, is, is a is a turning point in in American history. America. That's the point when America stopped trusting its presidents and believe, and started believing them as corrupt individuals who could be challenged. I think they stopped trusting before that, but that's. It didn't because you seen the, the reaction of Tom Hanks when he finds out that Jack Kennedy was involved in this as well. Jack Kennedy was in, implicit in covering up well, stuff. I think Tom broken. Link in this film. You see how Meryl Streep is just like just distraught at the idea that her friend was involved at like McNamara was involved in this as well and it, it leads back to all that you know so from basically it, from Eisenhower onwards that's when the, I just the trust breaks down I so disagree with you I think, I think it's a fantastic I think street, I'm sure she'll get an Oscar nod she has if she wins an Oscar for that performance there's I'm not saying she does an Oscar she was terrible she wasn't terrible she was Meryl doesn't know how to be terrible no, I, I think she was really bad honestly no. just start to finish she wasn't just yeah. <coughs> and for a while I kind of question because I think is it me do I not understand the film but then I'm thinking no do you know what it's I, I watch like Spotlight and, and do you know what I mean the Bridge Spies and stuff like that and you know it's not me it's not that I didn't get the film just the film was fucking shit. The film was not shit. The film was a great I, film. I, I did kind of look at that and think maybe it's just me, but no, honestly, I hate it. Honestly, I wanted to go to sleep. You are. Because I won't walk out to the movie as we know we won't do that. Really, that not. And the next best thing was, you know what, I could just move it to sleep. You are so wrong, dude. I think it's a wonderful movie. It's, a, it's an important movie, it's a relevant movie. And it absolutely is one that should be seen. The most forgettable piece of nonsense I've seen in a long time. You're an idiot. Uh, you give it what about a 10, sorry? A generous 2. And I don't even know what I'm trying to. Do you know what? I don't even know why I gave it a 2. I can't justify giving oh, it a 2. Other than Tom fucking Hanks, is it? I'm giving it a 9. Wow. Because I loved it. I, it made me cry. Really? The bit when. Yeah, it made me fucking it cry. Made, the bit when she's reading out the judge's um, verdict. But a girl on the phone. Ah, that's a beautiful moment in cinema. That's just a lovely moment. Again, that's what the whole crux of the film is down to. Is that one moment in the film? Sometimes what, I whatever you must. I do. You do. should. I am a. I, I do. You should not <laughs> because I can see the truth in that film. And I, 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 I would like every journalist at every tabloid paper right now who are, who are currently telling stories about how someone in Big Brother shit the bed or something or tried to hump some poor girl on a on a waterbed would watch this film and go, you know what, journalism should do something and it shouldn't be gutter crash, it should actually do something. Mm. And right now in the world, the way status in, we could really do with some good journalism. I think journalists will watch that film right how bad it was. I think journalists are looking at that film and going, my God, how far we have fallen. Um, just out of curiosity, in case, I, again, because I, I don't want to be portrayed as being a dick for the sake of being a dick, but um, when I was looking on AMDB and I was looking at Reviews, reviews for it, I've watched reviews um, and there, there was quite a few people that kind of given it the same projections as me as well. And Fair so I'm, not, I'm not alone, it's not just me being stubborn and you know, no, I agree. put myself in this niche and I don't like it, but there, there was similar comments and stuff like that as well. Even idiots have friends. 
Well, yeah. <laughs> 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 but no, so the, the, the rest of the... There is some dissent yeah. for it, but yeah. I, just, I can't really disagree with them. Sure. But I can, if you want to if you stand on that hill, then... Yeah, no, I do. I you want to stand on that hill? I'll park my flag and... Fair enough. That is the only thing I've seen this week. So, nine out of ten. Nine out of ten, and I absolutely loved it, and I'm going to hopefully go back and see it again. Really? Absolutely. I just said I loved it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I feel punishment from the FBI. No. Just punch me in the face. I appreciate smart people being smart and appreciate good journalism. Okay. Um, what have you seen this week, Colin? The other film that I've seen this week in the big screen was um, The Commuter. If you could give this hit more than two out of ten, I feel like I've got a major glassy over the table right now. <laughs> The Commuter starring um, everyone's favourite Irishman and action star Lee Mason. Is he doing an Irish accent in it? Yeah, yeah, he's doing he, Irish. He does, he does Irish in it. Um, the, the premise to this movie is um, Liam Neeson is your average man, uh, works in an insurance company, goes to work every day, back and forth for the past 10 years, gets trained to work, goes home, trained to work, goes home. One day, a um, mysterious girl sits beside him and says, um, if you do something... He can sack his job as well, yes. So he's performed this with a theoretical situation where if um, you do this and, and you know we'll pay you money for it and he's like why would I do it? Just like because we'll give you money and you know if you do it you don't know what the repercussions are actually we just want you to identify someone, tag them for his job done. So it's a box in space to push the red button and something bad will happen, you don't know whatever you'll get a million dollars. Yeah, okay. Um, on a train. Neeson initially resists, says no, but then takes the money he's offered to do it and then starts to uncover the mystery on the train as okay. it is. As we go and falls there and, and, and builds. So it's non-stop on a train? What I loved about it was, oh, was that it was non-stop on a train. Okay. No, I really like films like Train to Busan where it's a, I, I, I like that a lot, especially if the director can use the space and you don't feel like it's just one single shot. Like source code? Yeah, and, and this does the exact same. You know, you get to see every part of this train, and you know, you get all over the train, it's always moving, you're never just looking down a corridor. Yep. And it does it really, really well. Um, Neeson is comfortable now with these He can come in and play that. He can rock, he can rock out and he sleep almost. Uh, and, and it, yeah, you can see he's kind of not falling in, but you know, he's not. Are you wavering? He's not getting much up on it. No. But he's solid enough in it. Um, sporting cast Sam Neill, isn't it? Was he? Very briefly. Uh, he doesn't do anything major in it, but he's fun in it. Um, Patrick Rouse. Yep. See the boy that said, I'd like to watch him. Yes. Very solid and very enjoyable in it as well. And the girl that plays his wife in the Conjuring. She's right, okay. The main female farm Mika. She's the protagonist in it. She's the uh, one that started tells him we've got a plan yeah, for you to do. And um, Elizabeth McGovern's in it as well. Who? Elizabeth McGovern. Who's that? Very famous actress. Okay. So she's playing Mason's wife. She's right, nothing okay. to do at all than just turn up and be like, Me, his wife. Remember yeah, me and I remember used to watch Love Tube when I was a kid. Okay. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it. It was just dumb fun action. Um, didn't try to get anything at all when Liam Mason on a train and saw the final film. What are you going to attend? I gave it, I wanted to give it a six and a half, IMDb didn't let me, so I gave it a six out of ten. Okay. Yep. And uh, <laughs> Richard just shook his head. I did shake my head. I've not seen it yet, so I can't really judge it, but I cannot believe this film is three times better than The Post. Oh, yeah. I'd be giving this 27 out of 10 at that point, you know, if we're going to go with that, you know? Which is not going to happen. Um, and the, the other thing that I just quickly touched on before we go seen was um, on TV at home, Highlander. Which uh, is shit. 1985. 
brilliant. Highlander's shit. It's a legendary Highlander's might be fun, but it is still a shit movie. No, it's not, man. The sequels are shit because I watched the second one after the <laughs> Revisiting the first one, I was just filming up with sheer love and joy and nostalgia. Highlander's one of the films I've shown. It depends on when you saw it. Connery, Clancy Brown. Ah, it depends yeah. on you. If you see it at the right age, if you see it when you're like maybe like 15 or 16. Yeah. It has an indelible pressure on you. You go, I love this thing. This is so I cool. I love it. It is cool. Uh, but if you watch it, and you go, that is, it's, it is kind of crap. Oh, do you know the reboot? I mean, I don't care. Do, do, you know who's, no, do you know who's doing the reboots? Kara Butler. John Wick director. I mean, Whoa. fair enough. Oh, I'd rather him do. Like, he'd made John Wick. I'd rather him do like a John, like something original. But imagine what the, the kind of John Wick choreography, but with sword fights. I'm not really caring. I mean, Highlander, like Highlander, has no. Place in my heart. I, I don't think it's a bad. I don't think you I don't hate have it. No heart, Mr. I don't hate it. I I nothing it. So if I watch it, it's fine. It's like I think I've held that a nine and a half. If anything, the soundtrack is better than the film. Soundtrack's amazing. It's not really good. Yeah, it's it's not. Um, but yeah, I watched that and then <laughs> I thought I'd watch the second one because I've not seen it for a long time. I thought I wonder if it's really as bad as everyone says and I remember it being and yeah. as bad as everyone said it was. It was. It was. Boys, um, so yeah, that was fucking terrible. Um, I've got to watch the rest of them during the week, so I'll keep you updated. So, um, what you're trying to say is if it was between the post, the commuter, or re watching Highlander, what would you do again? I'll re watch Highlander. Okay, well, I'm going to say watch the post because it's a magnificent film, no, yeah. and I cannot believe that the, the commuter is better than it. I definitely do not admit that the um, Highlander is better than it either. Yeah, both of them, yeah, hands down. No, it's not. Fucking Mordecai is almost better than it. No, it's not. That was a stupid. <laughs> you're doing like make me angry now, is what you're trying to do. You're trying to, you're trying to enrage me. I'm yeah. Um, but I think that's us um, for this week. Where can you find us, Colin? Um, oh, first of all, out next week we've got, um, well, out this now, we've not actually seen it yet, it's Coco. Coco, which is Disney Pixar's um, latest offering, which they're claiming is uh, somewhere no one's been before. Um, I think the Book of Life. No, they're not. Actually, they're saying they've never been there before. I think they're saying. Uh, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're saying that. I don't know. I'm going to call him on this. Okay, you've also got The Shape of Water is out this week as well, or is it out on no, Advanced Previews are out this week? Um, we've got The Maze Runner of the Death Cure. The Maze Runner of the Death Cure is out, yep. Yeah. Um, 12 Strong, which God. intrigues me a little bit, I won't lie. No. I think. Chris Hemsworth for a fucking horse. I'm, I'm sold. Michael Shannon on <laughs> a horse is sold as well. Um, and also, I don't know if it's on general release yet, but it might be out in sort of limited release right now, is Early Man. Oh, um, I think that's how early the kids maybe this weekend, but maybe next week. Actually, is. properly see it. And you've still got Darkest Hour to catch as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, early Man, just people don't know, is a, is a new one from Ardman. Yeah, which is awesome. But more importantly, I've watched, we watched Ninja Watch over Christmas, um, Pirates and the Venture of Scientists. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a fantastically funny film. I've never seen all of it, I've seen bits, but it's, it's really funny. It's really witty. Really clever, really yeah. smart, yeah, 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 it's really good. Um, if they bring some of that to Early Man, I'd, I'd actually quite appreciate it, but I generally don't like any film set in caveman times. Not at all. Like, I remember watching. What was I when I watched those caveman films? You one? Awful. Dreadful film. There's also with 10,000 BC as well. Terrible film. Uh, what's the one with you, Raquel Welsh? A million BC? Terrible film. Like, That's kind of terrible. She's a kid. terrible, yeah. Back in the time. I just think, because it just. They always have, like. They always have this thing where it's like. Stone Age, but they have, like, the modern equivalent in stone. You know, like, so they don't have a chair, but they'll have, like, a chair of stone and shit. You know, I think. Yeah, that's, no, that's um, not how it works. That's not how technology works, and it just even in shit, even in like 
film and they make the kid on, that still annoys me. So, there, there is one called um, Quest for Firebreed. Right. Um, and it's one of Ron Perlman's earliest. Films. I think I've seen it and I think it, it was also it, it, awful. It's basically with the monkeys. Uh-huh. They're not. Alien cavemen that are kind of monkeys and you know that, that kind of almost 2001 space odds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of Again, no. I think I've seen it and I think okay. no. I'm going to say no to it. Kate, it's a niche of, as I said, I don't anything Stone Age I'm not really a fan of. What about Alpha? Think it's trailer, I've not seen Alpha yet, no. Alpha is um, the new one, it's come out and basically it's a boy fighting a wolf, they both get swept over a cliff. Right. Boy and wolf have to be friends to subscribe and it's basically angling it. This is where the domestication began between man and wolf. Oh. Um, that's coming out. Is it animated or is it a live action? Oh, okay. Intrigued. Could break the mold, sir. Could break the mold and make you. I could make me like um, Stone Age films. Uh, um, but you want to tell people where to find us, Yeah, you can find us um, in all the usual haunts and dives, um, including the Raven of Glasgow. Um, you can find us at the number 3 beers in the movie at gmail.com, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. So, 3 beers in the movie. Um, still not had that. People are people in Japan, we're big in Japan now. Well, email them in. People are people in Japan, but maybe Harry, we don't understand it. I don't know how to say email in Japanese. No, it's true. Um, but email is the same world over. But Tokyo. Gmail.com. That, that translates as gmail.com. Tokyo loves us. Tokyo loves us. Tokyo loves Godzilla as well. Tokyo loves us. Yeah, as always, feel free to give us some comments, um, likes, hates, feedbacks, whatever you kind of want. Um, be nice to hear from you out there. Um, thanks for listening. I've been Colin, you've been Richard. Three beers in a movie.